Hey all, Nolan here. I uh, just wanted to give you a quick little introduction before the episode and kind of give you a bit of a heads up here. So this episode was actually recorded in the middle of last week. So there were a few things that we weren't able to get to or that we didn't know the outcomes of uh, prior to this episode, well, prior to us recording and then prior to this episode airing. So you're going to hear a couple things that may sound a little bit out of date. Uh, one of them being the Craig Conroy hiring in Calgary. We'll probably cover that on the next episode. And then also the Kyle Dubas situation. We talk about it in the episode, but we don't actually get to what ended up happening with Kyle Dubas, which led to his inevitable firing by the Toronto Maple Leafs and the, um, subsequent separation of the two and now the the rumors of Kyle Dubas doing his uh, 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 interview with the Pittsburgh Penguins and yada yada all that stuff so uh, apologize for the lateness on this one just life gets in the way sometimes for both Miles and I we're both busy guys with uh, with full-time jobs so it, it, it does take a little while for us to be able to try and get this out but I promise you we do have fun stuff coming up uh, I think we got a pretty big summer in store and I, I, th- I think we're going to put out some some fun episodes going forward. Um, another reason why I want to do this little introduction is because I wanted to give a shout out and just give our thoughts to all those affected by the Alberta wildfires. Um, very scary situation going on out there. Um, the statistics say upwards of uh, 30,000 people have been affected by the wildfires. Uh, well, 30,000 people um, have been forced to evacuate their homes and it's just a it's just a tough situation right now. And uh, I think if there's anything that people all need is we all need each other. And so just wanted to give our thoughts with all of those people that have all been affected and hope that we all uh, that you guys all pull out of this and uh, stay strong. Uh, you can always do a little you, you can always give a little money. Uh, you can send donations to Canadian Red Cross. There's definitely a bunch of other ones that if you wanted to just do a quick little Google search of where you could donate, then um, that's huge. But um, yeah, I just wanted to, to just just give a shout out to to all those affected because it's it's a really scary time and uh, we only want the best for people going forward. So thank you for listening and here's the show. Everybody and welcome back to another episode of One for One. I'm your host Nolan Schumann, joined as always by my co-host Miles Fuchs. Miles, how are you doing? Miles, hello. Miles, sorry, Nolan. I just wanted to uh, give a moment of silence for everyone's brackets that got busted with the Oilers losing. Not only brackets, but also my heart. And hopes and dreams. It's over. Everything sucks right now. Everything does suck. Um, My heart is is broken with the Oilers. My my foot is broken. I'm in a walking boot, quite literally. So just physical, (laughs) mental, and emotional pain. I'm I'm uh I cease to be. I've seen better days. Miles, you still have not disclosed how you broke your foot, and I'm a little concerned as per why you haven't done so. I just keep saying, when people keep asking, I say, um, party rocking. That's like, not a good. That's not a good enough story for me. Like LMFAO. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's not good enough. That's funny though. That's a throwback. I thought that cool. would get the people going. Cool, but I I need to know the real story behind how you broke your foot. 
It's not a broken foot, first and foremost. It's torn <laughs> ligaments. Oh, sorry. Yes. And maybe maybe I will tell the story one day. But for now... Oh, my God. For now, I continue to live in mystery. Something... something something is in the air uh, a little a little a little birdie or the wind is telling me that uh maybe miles had a little too much to drink don't start saying that because that's not true <laughs> it, I, I it's not like it's not worth saying because it's not a cool story it's not badass it's like the, I, the speculation police the spec it would be way better if like it was oh you know i had 16 coronas and fell down the stairs oh no but it's not it's not cool like that and it makes me sad because i now i'm like well i don't want to tell people because they probably think it's something deadly and it's not deadly well miles i just i just hope that you get better and that you heal and that uh you uh, just become happier in the process thank you and i hope the same for you um and i think that we'll have an entire off season of emotional growth because what's what's our what's our option right (laughs) all i have are negative thoughts (laughs) speaking of negative thoughts can i share with you a really funny story that happened in my life today that doesn't involve uh, a walking boot i'd love to hear that okay thank you so i'm doing a little bit of running around in in the city in in regina and i've got to go get a battery all right going to pick up a battery so just based on some of the other stops that i had to make i got to you know drive by this battery place first and i'm driving by and i see holy crap the parking lot's really busy and you know being uh physically limited i was i was not looking to park 18 blocks away to walk in and go get a battery so i'm like "Eh, okay I'll, i'll swing back and hit it on the way back so on the way back i'm driving by just as busy no spots nothing so i'm like well son of a biscuit so Got to face the music and and make the trek uh, into the store to get this battery for work, right? So as I'm walking up, I see this white Chrysler Sebring. And you know what a Chrysler Sebring is, Oh, I certainly do. Yeah. Great. Because it's a very, like, specific type of person that drives a Chrysler (laughs) Sebring, right? Careful. (laughs) So I go in, I get this battery, I come out, takes all of three minutes so i don't know why i was you know putting it off it was just a little longer walk than i wanted it to be and i come out and this dude this sebring has been sitting there the whole time with the person in it and as i'm walking by i get a look at what he's doing he's sitting in his car vaping hell yeah dude not hell yeah dude that guy's a piece of shit (laughs) i was rattled he's sitting in there smoking like um uh, I don't know how to say this nicely, and I don't know why I care. You know what, like how people, there's like the big rigs, like the Pat Maroon vapes. Yeah. Yeah, and you know how then there's the skinny, long Cruella DeVille, like douche flutes? Yeah, <laughs> douche flutes. So My dad's going to love that one. <laughs> the shout out, shout out Rich. So um, he was sitting in his Chrysler Sebring for probably a half an hour, smoking out of the douche flute. Not a Not an employee. It's a place that we go to regularly, so I know who the employees there are. And he's sitting in prime real estate, just having a little, having a little vape, a little vape break. This guy sucks, dude. I was livid, but isn't that such a Chrysler Sebring owner kind of thing? <laughs> it's such a Chrysler Sebring kind of night. It is, man. Oh, so yeah. Now, if if I ever see that Chrysler Sebring again, I'm I'm going to. Uh, Wave my tires. fist. Yeah, I was thinking about slashing his tires. I'm gonna wave my fist 
might run them off the road. That's pretty dangerous. I don't know if I'd do that, but I have yes. a, I have a few. Just not in a company vehicle. vehicle. Yeah, you know, personal vehicle, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That's I also off the record. If any police officers are listening, <laughs> yeah, don't use this in our in the soon to be legal battle. Hey, Jay. Did you hear about when a guy called me a douchebag at, no, at a stoplight? No, that's no good. This is a little while ago. I was going to the gym one night and I had my, and it's summer, right? So Already off to a promising start. Yeah, rocking. So, um, you know, it's summer. It's nice out. You got the windows down. You're kind of just enjoying the <laughs> the ambiance, the essence, right? Um, and I'm sitting in my vehicle. I got the windows down. I'm listening to listening to Drake. Just, just feeling it, right? The pre-workout's kicking in. You got no when friends I, in the industry? When I feel the snake bite into my veins. And then uh, this red Cavalier pulls up beside oh, me. You're just naming all the worst cars right now. <laughs> It's got the it's got the Chrysler or the uh, it's got the Chevy tick going hard. Um, it's a dude in a Cookie Monster hat, and he leans out of his window Yo. and he's like, "Douchebag, turn your music down." So the fucking not... gall you have to have leaning out of a cry- or a Chevrolet Cav- Cavalier with a Cookie Monster hat on is. is... You, a grown man, are gonna call me a douchebag as you're wearing a, a you're wearing a cookie you're wearing, monster. Hat. You're wearing a CM hat. <laughs> like what? Uh, Miles, do you want to hear a quick embarrassing fun fact before we get to uh the quick embarrassing fun fact that was a second round series against the Vegas Golden Knights? It's <laughs> a really good segue. Yeah, I Thank do. You. Um, I <laughs> so. I think as uh, most people would do when they would live in Regina, Saskatchewan, um, their parents would say, hey, do you want to go to Minot for the day or to Bismarck? Well, because you go take a trip stateside and that's when you go buy all the U.S. shit, right? You're in a different tax bracket than me. We never did that. Really? Oh, yeah. No, no, sir. Why'd you guys never go to the Why'd you guys never go stateside? I don't know. I just, I guess that wasn't a thing in our household, but oh. I'm excited to hear this is, this is new information for me. So, um, basically I believe I was working either at Canadian tire at the time, or I'd already started at HMV and two institutions to, to, <laughs> two institutions for learned doctors. Um, and my mom said, yeah, save some money and then when we go stateside you can you you can buy some cool things there so what did i buy miles i'm glad you asked i bought uh for one i bought a tool album on vinyl i did not have a turn i did not have a turntable at the time it's an investment piece (laughs) i I literally put it on i i hung up i hung it up on my wall like a fucking loser uh the second thing i bought was a discounted version of tony hawk's ride and i'm glad you asked what tony hawk's ride is miles well is that it was the it was the rebranding of the Tony Hawk series on Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3, which involved using a peripheral, i.e., a plastic, yes. essentially snowboard, to yes. do your tricks on it. Got that. And uh, my third thing I purchased was a Cookie Monster belt buckle. Oh no! <laughs> well, you, you know, lock me up and throw oh. away the keys. The Cookie Monster belt buckle is tough. It is very, very tough. Can I get? I, can I, can I, I ask wearing... a supplemental? Of course. What grade 
<laughs> this is the most embarrassing part. Oh, no. I think it was like early grade 11. Oh, brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, you know what? You spent the money on the belt buckle and you didn't have to spend any money on dates because you're scaring all the chicks away. With your Dude, monster I, belt I'm, buckle. I'm pretty sure there was a girl I was really into at the time and I and I purchased her stuff from Bath and Body Works. Oh. And I came back and I rocked the Cookie Monster belt buckle. I was like, hey, I got you something. <laughs> okay, so he was the Rizzler. <laughs> way back no no I wasn't I was not the Rizzler <laughs> that, that's a Rizzy move dude. It, it, it could not have gone worse for me <laughs> um, yeah I just um, yeah and then I also had uh, arguably like w- when you think about uh, when you think about discrepancies uh, from uh, how do I explain this uh, from uh, garbage to glow up I had, I had, I had the greatest, the greatest glow up in between grade 11 and grade 12. And that was how I made my, the rest of my high school career somewhat enjoyable. That's good. I'm happy that you were able to, to see the light eventually. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it was, a, and I'm, it was a tough go. I'm, I'm just, oh, fuck, I feel like, why, 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 you know, I'm putting off getting into the episode because it's going to be shitty, but just hearing the story, isn't it funny to think back about the dumb shit you bought when you were a kid? Like the money that you could have, like, if you wouldn't, wouldn't have bought that, like if you could go back in time and say, Hey, little Nolan, don't buy this Tony Hawk ride. It's stupid. <laughs> Save this money and invest it and think Miles. about the money you can have later. Because I'm thinking about all the dumb shit that I bought when I was a kid. All the dumb shit. Miles, do you know how many Xbox 360 games I owned at, uh, the, at the peak in high school? Uh, oh, God. I, I think I do because I remember seeing it on your old YouTube channel. Yeah, that wasn't even, that wasn't even the most at the time. I'm going to guess 102. Close. 118. Oh. <laughs> That's a lot of Xbox games, Nolan. You could have bought a house four years ago. <laughs> I could have bought a house when I was 13. Yeah, dude, straight up. That's a lot. Holy dinosaur. Oh my dinos. god. Yeah, man. I would I'd, I'd straight up get like get paid from work and then I would immediately go to EB games right after. I was like the and I think about that now. Um like okay, I I know I like I promise that we're gonna get into the episode soon. But no, like, no, you don't. Um, <laughs> Taylor, Taylor and I one day like went to Har like Taylor and I went to Harvey's one day, and the guy that was working at Harvey's um was like chatting it up with us in the window, and it's because Taylor orders a freaking veggie burger and it takes like an eternity to get the veggie burger, so the guy's like chatting it up with us and it's a Friday, and he's like. He's like, how's your guys' Friday going? I said, oh, it's going really good. Thanks for asking, man. I was like, how about yours? He's like, well, could be off in about an hour. And then uh, my plan for tonight is I'm heading over to the mall, going to GameStop, picking up. I can't remember what game he said at the time. And then he's like, and then I'm walking over to Snack Attack, which is like one of those like specialty candy stores that they have here in Peterborough. And he's like, and I'm dropping like half my paycheck on candy and I'm going home and playing some video games. And I'm like, sweet. And then I said to Taylor, I'm like, that used to be my ideal fucking Friday night, man. And now I'm like, God damn it. To think about the amount of money I spent on shit like that. That guy's living his life. Though. That guy's that guy's loving it. And you know what? I think we should all be loving it. But we can't right now because the Oilers lost in the second round of the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, so should we just get into it? 
Yeah. So here's what you got to expect in this episode. Um, for the people that listen because they like when we're sad, you got it. You got it. This is gonna yeah. be a good one. You're gonna get a lot of sad stuff today. I uh, hope you enjoy it. So we're gonna we're not gonna do every game. We're not gonna do every game. <laughs> we're like, not gonna do that. We're not gonna do that. Like we like we normally do for every game. We're not gonna do that. It's gonna be more concise. We're not gonna do that. And then once we get through that. Because we're not going to do that. We're going to move into some overall Oilers shit. And we are going to do that. That is going to happen. That is, we're going to slop them up. We're going to talk about the season overall, um, UFAs, RFAs, player um, stuff. Guys cleaning out their lockers. Guys are mad. Guys are really pissed off. And then once we get through that, we're going to do a little bit of checking in around the NHL because the rest of the second, uh, second round matchups have finished. So we're going to recap those. We're going to talk about the draft lottery. We're going to talk about the Western and Eastern Conference finals. We've got a, we've got a big, dirty app, and it's going to be sad. And it's going to be happy, too, in some spots. And... um. We hope that you are happy and sad too. And that if you are sad, it's not for long because it did it, it'll get better. I think I fucking hate hockey, dude. <laughs> yeah, dude. I fucking I'm trying to be I don't know what I'm I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just want people people on the other side of the speakers to be like, hey, these I can feel the pain in his voice. For those who don't know. It is um, Tuesday, May 16th, so we are two days removed from the Oilers being eliminated, and I still don't see color. I'm just, I'm just sad, man. I'm just really sad. It's just, well, it's, and, and you know, but you know what, though? It is also a sad that's making me feel a little bit optimistic, because we'll get to this, but seeing the early reactions from the players have actually made me feel pretty, like, optimistic going forward. I feel like I'm buying snake oil in the in the wild west. <laughs> By some guy saying, I'm really happy I'm an oiler. <laughs> it's like come one, come all. This is very good stuff. <laughs> um okay. Let's just get to the game one. Let's go uh, back in time. Uh May third, twenty twenty three. Uh by the way, we know that we've been almost two weeks without an episode. Listen, a couple things happened. We both got busy. We both got busy. Oilers played playoff games. Uh, and then I also had to lay flooring while that was going on. And in addition to that, I got what I thought were my al- my seasonal allergies that were all out of control. Uh, turns out I actually had a cold. And so I was off for a day in some, but could barely speak. And then my allergies are back. So if you hear me sniffling and, and, and hacking and, you know, heeing and hawing, well, that's, that's, that's basically it. It's just to blame it on the freaking allergies. Um, anyways, four piece Leo with a side or four piece Leo combo with a side of L, a six four loss to the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, goal scorers in this game, Leon Dreisettle. That's literally it. That's the list. Uh, not a particularly good game from the Oilers defensively, and that's really not how you want to start the series. And unfortunately, this was a um how do I explain it? I guess like an introduction, but also a uh, symbolic precursor. Represent- uh, yeah. Precursor and symbolic or symbolic representation of what would happen in the series. Um, Oilers go up and Oilers blow a lead and then Oilers cannot come back by the end of the game. Um, 
Skinner stops 28 for 33 for an 848 save percentage. Uh, Oilers were very physical on the night, putting up 46 hits, went two for three on the power play, and two for four on the penalty kill. Obviously, as we mentioned, uh, Leon Dreisaitl literally scored four goals and they lost the game. So, uh, not what you like to see. But um, this but... was all. This was also the night after Hope Pavelski scored four goals and the Stars lost to the Kraken as well. So just a good sign for all of you hockey fans out there that one player cannot win you a playoff series in this you, NHL. You had you you very much had a Western Canadian like accent come out there for a second. Which in which part? Uh, when you said fans, fans, fans. 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 This was also the game where uh, Dreisaitl just went straight up higher skill and banked a puck in off of Lambrosois's head into the net, which was like one of the more uh, spicy sick. goals I've seen. Yeah. That was so sick. I was jacked up, but it was all for none. <sighs> yep. But you know what? The and I, and I said this after the game, like it really felt like game one of the Calgary series from last year where... They do not put on a good defensive performance at all. It looks like Vegas is really pouring it on them, but the Oilers showed a resiliency and a willingness to come back in the game that made me feel pretty good about the series going forward. Yeah, um, I wasn't nervous at this point. I, dude, at, at no point in this series until maybe the last 50 minutes of the season did I feel nervous. Yep, yeah, I completely agree. Completely uh, agree. Game two, May 6th. 2023. I thought WrestleMania was in Philly this year. 5 1 Edmonton Oilers win. Goal scorers on the night Leon Dreisaitl, Evan Bouchard, Kerner McDervid, Leon Dreisaitl, two, Kerner McDervid, two. Oilers outshot the Knights 36 to 31 and answered back uh, game one's lackluster effort with a massive bounce back game here. Skinner played great. He stopped 30 of 31 shots for a 0.968 save percentage. There was lots of rough stuff in this one. That's why I said I thought WrestleMania was in Philly this year because it's uh because you could have thought that maybe WrestleMania was in Las Vegas the way that these guys were going at each other. Lots of rough stuff in this one. Really setting the tone for the series, in fact, uh, as these teams do not like each other. Evander Kane, all-around good guy and teammate of the year, got a 10-minute misconduct in the second period. Howden and Kulak fought. Uh, Keegan Colsar got a 10-minute misconduct in the third. Kane got another one in the third, as well as Bugstad, um, Nick Roy, Carrier and Hag for the Knights. They all got 10 minute misconducts and then Costin fought White Cloud. So those we're not even talking about uh we're not even talking about the two minute minors and the four minute double minors. We're talking about the game misconducts and the fights. So there was there was lots going on there. Um this game also was the infamous Kane Evander Kane blowing a kiss to a Karen in the crowd who was giving him the double bird salute, which was very rock star, a term that gets thrown around a lot lately, but that picture was very, very rock star. The Oilers went three for six on the power play and stopped all three penalty kill attempts from the Vegas Golden Knights. And once again, they are getting out of Vegas with a one-one split after winning this one five to one. Good game. Entertaining game. It's exactly what you wanted. Yeah, um, this was exactly the response that you wanted from this team and really made you feel really good about this team. Um, I, I'm going to get into this, but like, man, when the Oilers are on their A game, they look like the best team in the league. 
like and i think that that's kind of a maybe like a like a no shit statement but they truly do they truly do look like the best team in the nhl when they're on their a game and that's just cleaning up those little details but ultimately we should have known that uh vegas was not going to go down without a fight um because the shit isn't very mahalo right now brother with a 5-1 loss against the vegas golden knights on may 8th Goal scorers were Warren Fogle. By the way, Warren Fogle, Ryan McLeod, and Derek Ryan. Unbelievable line this series. I absolutely love that line. They were buzzing all series. I wish they would have even got a little bit more ice time. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but Warren Fogle, when you get when you looked at where when you kind of look at all the lack of production coming up top, uh, he probably should have been elevated in some way. Uh, but this is the the game where we get to see uh, Brassois go down after making one of his four saves. In comes Aiden Hill, who stopped 24 of 24 shots. Really bought some brought some scumbag swag to this Knights team. Uh, tough to see this effort from the Oilers after such a fiery game in Vegas to even the series 1-1. Oilers or Stewart got chased or Stewart Skinner got chased in this one. Rare you see both teams pull goalies, uh, allowing four goals on 23 shots. Occasionally do that to a guy. Uh, Oilers killed all four penalties they took, but were stopped on both power plays as well. Through 50 hits to the Knights, 25. Vegas feasted 5-on-5 five five and won the game. Very, very depressing. Um, and this is kind of a, you know, this this was this was Vegas's game this entire series was five on five dominance and and being able to push the Oilers in a way that they really haven't felt I mean you could even go to as far back as the game against Toronto when they when they last had a really bad loss um it just we'll we'll get into this once we sort of talk about about the the playoffs and the season in general um Miles do you want to take the the, the no, next happy no. one no, because no. the reason that I called this one shit isn't very Mahalo right now, brother, is because when people were asking me how I felt about the game, um, appreciate everybody who who reached out, checked in, wanted to talk hockey over this playoff series. All the all the Oilers fans, diehard and casuals. It was it was like, I don't mean casuals in a bad way, but like you know people that were just wanting to talk hockey. You're appreciate not a it. real fan. <laughs> appreciate everybody who reached out, but my response to anyone who asked after this game was just a gif of Dog the Bounty Hunter really sad. So that's why shit is not very mahalo right now, brother, because it was a it was a bad game, man. This was one I found myself just scrolling my phone for most of it because I was like did not want to watch. Hated what I was seeing. This one was pretty dark, but like you said, we rebounded uh, pretty pretty instantly on May 10th. Uh, real playoff shit. 4-1 Oilers win. Goal scorers in this one were the Bugie Man, Bugstad, Evan Bouchard, Matthias Ekholm, the Viking King, and Nuge. A good Stuart Skinner game as he stopped 25 of 26 shots. The Oilers outshot the Knights 33 to 26 in this one. This game. Had Nuge. a lot of rough stuff. Nuge, by the mm. way, scoring his first goal of the playoffs after yes. scoring 37 this season. Tough. Yeah. Glad that he showed up. But the major storyline of this one, of real playoff shit, was Alex Pitarangelo, generally thought highly regarded player in the league, guy that, <laughs> guy that had a lot of respect, goes full Paul Bunyan mode and tries to cut off Leon Dreisaitl's arm in the last two minutes of the game 
while uh while the net's empty so that's one if you haven't seen it was pretty pretty greasy um but then nurse gets rough and rowdy and he fights nick hag at the end of the game and he gets stuck with an instigator uh and then also gets a game so both players end up getting a one game suspension and woodcroft also gets a ten thousand dollar fine um very good game from the oilers they kicked ass uh, again, like you said, just straight up dominated higher skill than Vegas. And it showed it was a hell of a bounce back after another really bad game. So series is tied two two. department of player safety completely fumbled, fumbled the ball on this one. Um, I, in, in no way should Darnell nurse and, 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 and Alex Petrangelo get the exact same suspension. That's yeah. absolutely insane. S- one suspend. guy, like one guy seriously tried to and you could argue that he did because i mean there's a bit of a correlation um injured one of the oilers best players arguably the best player on the planet um and he got one game for it and darnell nurse who was fighting a willing combatant got a game as well like it's just it's a complete it's a complete joke um i'm going to mention this many times I do not blame refs on the Oilers losing the series. I do not whatsoever, but it just goes to show the department of player safety is not serious when it comes to protecting their players. That's all. Okay. Um, because, uh, with it, Alex Petrangelo and Darnell, Darnell nurse out of the lineup, it allows Keegan Colasar to be a fucking scumbag with a four, three win for the Vegas golden Knights over the Oilers goal scorers were McDavid Hyman and McDarvid got back in again as well. Um, Another story of this series, Stuart Skinner pulled again, four goals against on 22 shots. Um, but the, 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 big, the big moment uh, came when the Oilers were down 4-2 to the Golden Knights and Keegan Colasar CFB'd uh, <laughs> Matthias Ekholm into, ob- into oblivion at the end of the second, but the Oilers could not turn that chance into enough offense to tie the game. A five-minute major and the Oilers were only able to score one goal. It's it's pretty sad that that's what you needed, but it, it's just it's kind of nuts that 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 the the literally the greatest power play in NHL history could only score one goal on a five minute major because that that kind of that that completely tilted the outcome of the series. Um, because in the second you get the um, you get the Philip Broberg. Um, that that whole sequence where he gets called on 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 the hold but Jack Eichel was holding the stick and then there's another call um I believe I can't remember if it was on me Tisekholm or who who it was on um but it just just a, a bunch of really dumb shit and it just snowballed from there and then like we mentioned Keegan Colsar absolutely destroying Matthias Eckholm into the boards very dangerously gets 5 minutes does not get a game at all which is fucking hilarious. Um, Oilers took seven penalties in this game. It just you're not going to win if you continue to take really bad penalties. That's that's it. Uh, and with that, the Vegas Golden Knights were up three two in the series. So guess what, Miles? You get the best one. I'm thrilled because even coming into this one down three two, I I don't think a lot of Oilers fans really thought that this was going to be the last game of the season. I certainly didn't. I thought just the way that it was going back and forth, back and forth, the Oilers bouncing back after a piss poor game, uh, that they they were going to have a little bit more in them on on Sunday night. So no team, before 
No team had won two games in a row. No team won two games yeah. in a row. So I, I wasn't feeling particularly nervous here. I don't know about you, but this needs to be this, this needs to be talked about first and foremost. We make fun of the NHL a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot. Um, this is a Mother's Day game on a Sunday that has two of the best players on the planet playing, and they're starting it at 10 p.m. Eastern. Oh, yeah. They have literally all day to play this game uh, yeah. and get, get eyes on it, and they wait until 10 p.m. Eastern to start it insane uh, completely nuts but you know what whatever gary bettman is smart and gary bettman knows best right uh eliminated may 14th 2023 5-2 win for the vegas golden knights goal scorers here were mcdavid and fogel um yeah fogel tied the game like two minutes in which is not something that you get to say very often that he t- or sorry he got the go-ahead goal two minutes yeah. into the game which is not something you get to say very often skinner pulled again third time in the series fourth time in the playoffs uh jonathan marcia show was feasting on middle on our middle six and he got a third period or sorry a second period hat trick the oilers outshot the knights 40 to 22 but could not solve aiden hill or that vegas d ekholm was high stick with about five minutes left drawing ball uh blood but no call at all again i mean this is going to transition into kind of uh overall oilers discussion and you hate to say that the oilers lost because of the refing and i'm not saying that but man oh man was the refing fucking bad in the playoffs like horrendously it's bad. been it's been it's been terrible this entire this entire playoffs and it's um and i we're we're gonna we're gonna talk about that series but like you know prime example being the game-winning goal in florida versus toronto you know um radko good is holding cali yarn stick and that goal still being still being allowed but it's just It's just frustrating, man. It, it's just it's really frustrating, especially when Matthias Ekholm's like of like of and and you, I hate being that. I hate being the like boomer mentality of like this is a guy that's a veteran in this league and has played nine hundred games, but like that's a veteran in this league that isn't gonna just make up some bullshit thing that he got fucking high sticked and the guy is bleeding out of his face and you can clearly see that there was a penalty call um but unfortunately west mccauley and co believe that that was just a follow-through which is a complete crock of shit um it just anyways i'm once again i'm not i'm not blaming the refs for this at the end of the day the oil this was the tale of Really, this series in the playoffs for the Oilers, which was get out to an incredible first period. Um, they dominated Vegas in the first period. I was ready for a 5-6-1 routing of the Vegas Golden Knights in this game. And I kept on telling myself, just keep that momentum foot on the throat. And that was what I that was the phrase I kept on saying to myself through the entirety of the playoffs is foot on the throat of this team. You guys can do this. And unfortunately, when you let up, a team as good as the Vegas Golden Knights and as deep as the Vegas Golden Knights are going to make you pay on that. And Jonathan Marcia, so specifically, he made them he made them pay. Like that the and 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 I hate to I you know what? Let's just turn this into let's just kind of transition this into sort of talking about the series and then also the season itself like Bruce Cassidy I I love Jay Woodcroft Bruce Cassidy outcoached the shit out of Jay Woodcroft um the fact that the dry sidle line was kept on getting absolutely destroyed by the Eichel line 
um, was a testament to Jay Woodcroft. Jay Woodcroft should have made the adjustment, and if this team had a little bit of an analytics background when it came to their coaching, um, you would have seen that the McLeod line put up really good numbers against the Eichel line and kind of shut them down a little bit. The, like, McCle- the, Mc- the McDavid line played them very well, very well too. Yeah. Yeah, Didn't didn't make sense to keep going back to the dry side line. Yeah, and so... It's just and and then it was another thing like the third period of this game, the Oilers, for the most part, I mean, the first five minutes were a little, you know, were a little ho-hum, but like the Oilers dominated the end of this game. They just kept on putting pucks on net. And it's amazing what happens when you get pucks on net. Um, But unfortunately, Aiden Hill closed the door. And it's too little too late. If you're not going to show up for a full 60 minutes and you're not going to win hockey games. And that brings us to the end of the season. Um, round two, uh, one, 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 two games, or sorry, one, three games, no, no, two games in the series. Um, it's just not good enough. And luckily, the players are kind of recognizing that right now. Um, so, Miles. Hold on. Question, Before you get... Yes. I can see where you're going with this, but I think that the playoffs really boil down to like three major storylines lack of middle six forward depth goaltending inconsistencies and just questionable coaching management of the team i don't Mm -hmm. like there's not a lot we like woodcroft and woodcroft's a good guy and all that and the other thing but man there was a few times throughout throughout these playoffs where you had to look at some of the decisions that he was making even just the consistent like um jack campbell should have had game six I get going back to Skinner because it's the whole like um, like Elliot Friedman brought this up, but it was like you 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 go you dance you dance with the girl that you went to prom with, which is fair and fine and good and well. But if why was he pulling him every other game? No, I I get it. Like I really do. I think that they were just kind of expecting a bounce back because typically that's what you would get from Stuart Skinner in a game where you pull him, is you do get a bit of a bounce back. So. I, I, I get where Woodcroft was coming from. I, I don't I, think I, it was the most I, egregious thing. I feel like that. Well, and you got to look at Campbell. So if we're talking about numbers and we're looking at the ability of like the, the McLeod and McDavid lines to shut down the Eichel line, um, Jack Campbell's got a really, I don't have it in front of me, but he's got some pretty nasty numbers against Vegas in his career. So it would have been, and the playoffs in general, and like you said about going to dancing with the girl you went to prom with or whatever, I mean, he kind of blew that out the door, pulling him four times. So I guess that's I, that's just my evidence for, I guess, what my third storyline would be, which was some questionable coaching decisions. Yeah, your uh, your point about Jack Campbell against the Vegas Golden Knights, 5-1-0 with a .956 save percentage and a 1.65 GAA. Yeah, I, I should have had that in front of me because that's a that's a knockout. But I mean, yeah. whatever, it's fine. You can pr- pose the question that you were going to ask before I cut you off. But those were the just the points I wanted to no, make about this series. I, yeah, I, I I totally agree with you. And I mean, at the end of the day, like the the other thing was too is like the top six uh, kind of didn't I'll, show up. Kind of invisible. Um, yeah. Besides the big boys, pretty well pretty well invisible um just wanted to just give like i just wanted to actually give a couple stats before i i ask you my my overall big question uh in the playoffs uh 
Well, actually, how about we just do? Or I'm, I'm just going to give you. I'm going to give you the five on five numbers for scoring for the second round. Um, leading the way at five on five was Leon Drysaddle with four points in six games. Good for him. Uh, Connor McDavid three points in six games. Good for him. Um, Warren Fogle two points. Awesome for him. Yeah. Um, Kyle Yamamoto two points in six games. Uh, but then you get down to some of these guys. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins one point in six games. Tough, horrendously, and horrendously was, tough. And I believe that was one goal. And I, I think it might have even. Oh no, the, sorry, that was one goal, and it was on. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a five on five goal. Um, so the the and Matthias Yamark nothing. Uh, Evan Bouchard nothing. But I mean, I guess he's on the back end. Uh man. Oh, Evander Kane, one point. Yeah. Just it's just not good enough. Um, Zach Hyman, two points. These are all guys that you rely on to help prop up your stars, not to drag them down. And I think unfortunately that's what happened with the top two lines in the series. Um, and my God. You know what? I'll save it for I'll save it for after. So, Miles, the question I want to ask you, was this season a failure? Yes, because anything other than a conference final at the bare minimum for me as a fan was a was a was a failure with this team, with these guys, with the amount of money that they have invested, the moves that they made at the deadline. Um yeah, anything less than recreating last year's success was a failure. I agree. I um I, I think that it, it's just you I, I've brought this I've said this many times on the show, but like year eight. Actually, sorry, we're going into year nine of Connor McDavid and we're going into year get ready for this ten decade, yeah. Of Leon Dreisidel. And this team should have already been to a Stanley Cup final. I understand that they that there has been things that are out of Ken Holland's control. I get that there are things that are out of J, and I'm not pointing blame at anybody. It's more of an organizational philosophy, which is this team should be in a position to win the Stanley Cup. With that being said, I think there are some really important lessons to be learned from the series, which are, yeah, you can go to the third round. Yeah, you can feel all high and mighty, but when it starts the next season, it doesn't matter. The playoffs do not care about what you did the year before. And unfortunately, this team needs to go through a little bit of heartbreak and a little bit of failure before they find that success. That's why I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm actually a little bit optimistic about next season. Um every player is pissed off about how this season turned out and especially the stars, especially Connor and Leon. Um, these guys understand that what, what they've built in Edmonton is incredibly special and all of the pieces around them will be back. And I think at this point there's a couple of tinkering moves. I think there are certain guys that we need that the, the the team needs to absolutely move on from as quickly as you can. And I think there are there is, sorry there is a path forward to this team being truly truly elite. Um, and I think going forward, it's it, this this loss is only going to benefit them. 
that's a optimistic way to look at it. And I hope that you're right. I guess the only way to see how that goes is, is time. And hopefully, yeah. hopefully that is the case, but no, like there was, it was a season of failure. Yes. Was there lots of good moments throughout it? There are lots of positive steps throughout it. Absolutely. Like we finally got the emergence of Evan Bouchard. We finally got to see him on that first power play unit, which I know fans have been begging for, for years. Um, we got Matthias Ekholm, so we got that workhorse, you know, steadfast defenseman on the back end that we've been begging for for years as yeah. well. And I mean, excluding the playoffs, <clears throat> we had a pretty solid goaltending from Stuart Skinner. So we got to see a 21-year-old come in, wasn't supposed to be the guy, play awesome, be an all-star, and really show that there is you know a future in that crease. Uh, for a homegrown kind of prospect player. So those are a lot of things that I see very, very beneficial for this team and make me really excited about the future. I don't know if we've actually recorded since it officially happened, but Stuart Skinner got nominated for the Calder. Like, oh, Congratulations, Stu. Like we, this, this, is, this is a really big deal. And as much as Skinner struggled in the playoffs, I think that us as a fan base do need to kind of pump the brakes a little bit on totally putting the blame on Stu. Oh, absolutely. Like, Don't obviously, down. like obviously I, obviously I, I, I've, I've said like, I wanted Stu to have, to have that, that iconic game that like, I'm going to steal this game for you guys, because I believe that every team needs that in the playoffs, but it's a lot to expect from a guy that's never even been in this moment. And judging by the path that he has had, or sorry, that he's been on up to this point, I firmly believe that Stuart Skinner will learn from this and he will become a better goaltender in due time. Um, you hope that Jack Campbell can come back next year and can find a little bit of confidence and can find the form that he had in the playoffs and bring it on a consistent basis. And consistent is the most important word that I want to I want to use. I mentioned this before. When the Oilers are playing their A game, maybe not even their A game, their B plus game, these guys are among the elite of the elite. When these when they know how to play defense properly, they are among the, one of the best defensive teams in the NHL. And it's because what they do is they force turnovers, they shut you down from entering into their defensive zone, and they immediately turn it back on you, and they immediately put it in the net. And that, that is a skill in, in of itself. And if this team can find some form of consistency... And that might include making an addition or two, which I don't think are big pieces. Like, this team has the pillars in place. We're not looking for a number one or number two center. Those are taken care of. We have two of the best in the league. We have a proper defense. We have, I mean, Darnell Nurse, he's a top four defenseman, okay? Like, he's top four defenseman. But we have a stud I would say number one defenseman in Matthias Eckel. Like the the guy has truly been a a a, a gift from God himself. Um, Evan Bouchard has become the player that we all envisioned him to be. And assuming that we can get him re-signed for a decent deal, we'll get to the the free agents. But like this is a guy that you can have as a pillar going forward, and is okay. only going to get better. Your de- your decor realistically is set minus one guy. Yeah. You just need a couple of tweaks. 
You see a like couple said, little tweaks. tweaks. Little yep. tweaks. Little tweaks. Which is good because there's not a whole lot of money to be playing with, right? So no. it's good um, that it's tweaks and not major retoolings. Yeah. And it's it's it is one of those things like they played Vegas in LA. And in LA, I thought personally there was only one game where LA outplayed them. And it, or sorry, eh, maybe two. You, you could argue you could argue two, which were uh game uh, game four, which the Oilers won in overtime with Zach Hyman scoring that big goal, uh, and game six in which the Oilers still won, um, but they also allowed like four goals and were supremely outshot in the series or in the game. But when they when they played well against Vegas, they dominated Vegas, and when they lost to Vegas, they were always still in it somewhat, except for the five one game. Um, it's so I'm just. I feel pretty good because I think this team just needs to find consistency. You find consistency and that's going to take you as far as you can go. Um, so with that being said, let's get to the UFAs and the RFAs. Um, restricted free agents, Evan Bouchard, Ryan McLeod, Clem Costin, and uh, Ryan. That can't be Ryan Murray. Cause Ryan, I believe Ryan Murray would be a UFA. He's pretty old. Um, uh, Bakersfield RFAs, uh, Raphael Lavoie, Philip Kemp, uh, Noah Philp, and Olivier Rodrigue. Uh, Edmonton UFAs, Nick Bukestad, Derek Ryan, Matthias Yanmark, and Devon Shore. Uh, Baco UFAs, Tyler Benson, Justin Bailey, Jason Demers, and Slater Cuckoo. Um, Slater Cuckoo and Demers probably will not be back. Demers is most likely going to retire. I wouldn't be surprised if Justin Bailey's back. Tyler Benson, you know what? At this point, I really hope Tyler Benson is able to just move on to a different team and he can kind of find his footing and hopefully he can carve out a bit of an NHL career for himself somewhere else. Um, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna agree with you on all of those. That's what Benson needs. Bailey was okay this year. We're actually pretty good. Uh, Demers, yeah, needs to. He's 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 holding up a spot there for a younger guy. I think they need to move on from him. So later, Cuckoo wouldn't be mad if he if he decided to continue playing pro hockey if he came back. But uh, we'll see what he what whatever's best for the slate, man. Yeah. Um. Yeah. UFAs for the Oilers. Uh. Nick Bugstad, Derek Ryan, Matthias Yamark, and oh, I already mentioned these guys. Whoopsie Daisy. Um. I actually wanted to just quickly mention uh Derek Ryan. Both Derek Ryan and Nick Bukestad were both on Oilers now with Bob Stoffer presented by World of Spas. Um, and Derek Ryan had mentioned, he said, I'd love to retire an Oiler. And that is music to my ears. I thought Derek Ryan had a, he didn't have the numbers and that's fine. That's not what you expect out of Derek Ryan. But he, he I hate using this term. He plays the game the right way. And if there's one guy you want your younger players to be learning from, it's Derek Ryan. Every time that guy's on the ice, I'm shouting at my TV at a boy DR. And if that's not like, if that's not a sign that this guy should be around for the rest of his career, I don't know what is, um, who knows? Maybe, maybe you give him like the Mark Giordano contract with Toronto, you know, league min times two. He played. And just in the in the second round alone, he played himself into another contract, in my opinion. Oh, hundred percent, hundred percent. The guy never gave up. I think they've got to move on from Devon Shore. Not got to, because I feel like he'd be pretty cheap. But again, that's a roster spot for a younger guy. Uh, like what, what we were talking about earlier, and we'll kind of get into this with the Baco uh, RFAs. But there's money that needs to be taken advantage of with some of these younger players on the wing. 
um, to try and, you know, use our dollars elsewhere. So I don't know if Devin Shore is the best. I not. I don't know. I don't think Devin Shore is the best utility for our money at this point. Shore could see you going. Matthias Janmark. Um, I don't I'm think out. the. I don't think the experiment worked. No, I'm. I'm out. I think. Uh, I think he's. We can he's, get somebody that does what he does for for better price. He's an NHL player. I'll put it at that. He's an literally an NHL player, and and that's it. I just um. He provides utility in the fact that he kills penalties, and that's about it. I, yeah. I, I'm, 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 I'm out on Matias. Uh, on Matias and Mark. I've got two quick things I want to say. Dr. Obviously, we both kind of said we want back Bugstad. I want back very badly, but I want him back for the right price. Back to Yanmark for two quick seconds. I'm, I want to say bring back Yanmark just because, like, you know. We, Let's see if this works. But at the same time, I think the kiss of death that we've had as Oilers fans for the past number of years is romanticizing these bottom six guys because of like two or three games that they've done something well. And we're like, no, keep him around. He's a big part of this. I fucking love you so much. (laughs) Like a Josh Archibald and a Zach Cassian. Like a Devin Shore. And a Devin Shore. So, you know what? Like you said, he's an NHL player. Not to say he's a dime a dozen because I'm sure he's a nice guy. But we can find um, a plug-and-play piece there that doesn't have to make, you know, two million bucks. And also, you have to develop younger players. I don't... Once again, it's like you you can bang the table for veterans all you want. But at the end of the day, you can get to the trade deadline and find Matthias Yanmarks for a sixth round pick. Like yeah. it's, it's not a big deal. It's you'll, you'll, you can find somebody in worst case scenario. Um, but you have to give shots to these younger guys. Um, I completely agree with you on Nick Bukestad. He had mentioned on Oilers now that he could easily see himself coming back to the Oilers. But like you said, the price, um, the guy scored 17 goals this year. His possession metrics are pretty good. Uh, scored a couple big goals in the playoffs. I don't know what his ceiling is for price. Maybe he gets like 2 million bucks from some team, but if he really wants to like be back on this team, you got to come in around that million, million and a half, like million and a half at most. In my opinion, I, I'm not giving big money to Nick Bugstad. Um, just once again, it's, it's one of those things that I firmly believe that a player like that is available to trade deadline and you can make a move for a player like that. So, um, it'd be cool to see him come back because they did they did pay a pretty big price to bring him on, um, but uh, and and I like the player and the story is really cool. He he genuinely was it was the one team he was most excited. Um, he was really most excited about when it came to uh, um, you know when it came to the trade deadline. It was like he he wanted to go to the Oilers the most, so that makes me happy. But uh, yeah, for the right price, like you you, you can't. You can't take a swing on a guy like that if 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 he's asking for two million bucks. It's just it's just not feasible, especially in the cap world. Baco RFAs. We mentioned them. Raphael Lavoie, Philip Kemp. Um I don't know what the other guy's first name is. Noah Philp. Uh yes, Noah Philp. And and Olivier Rodrigue. Uh I hope that they keep Rodrigue. Noah Philp, I hope like he's a D man, right? No, uh, Noah Philp is a uh, is a former U of A Golden Bear. Yeah, yeah, I liked like shit from him for sure. He was good. Kemp's the D man. I would like to see Philip Kemp back. I yeah. 
I feel like they're not going to qualify him, and I feel like he may walk. Um, Kemp is an interesting one because he is a guy that played with that played with uh, Quinn Hughes at the World Juniors. Um, not super athletic, but uh, just really smart. Uh, just really smart defensively. And to be completely honest, I would love to keep him on and really uh, and have a little bit of a and maybe have a little bit of a battle for that sort of six, seven D spot with Vinny Deharnay. No, I, um, I think all of those guys I want back. Yeah. And Raphael Lavoie really needs to actually get a real shot at playing in the NHL this season. Like you can't, you can't take this guy around anymore. Like you have to take a shot on him because the guy speaking of shot has a killer shot on him and knows how to score goals. And if there's one thing that this team needs to do, it's score more fucking goals. Um, so you were giving me shit, um, a minute ago about your, with this RFA's list and you're like, Ryan Murray can't be Ryan Murray. Ryan Murray signed a two year contract at the end of last year. So yeah, he would be, I guess, an RFA. If what? No, Ryan Murray, Ryan, he signed a two year deal. Uh, fuck. Maybe not. I've got cap friendly in front of me. I might be reading it wrong. Yeah. He's got a one year seven fifty. Yeah, and he'd be a he'd be a UFA at the end of it, I think. Okay, yeah, cap friendly was capping for real. <laughs> um, okay, so whatever. But like, so we've got Bush, McLeod, Cost, and Murray. So scratch Murray out. One, two, three is my order of how bad these guys need to come back. Bouchard, absolutely. McLeod, absolutely. But he's second, uh, like second priority compared to getting a deal done. Uh, and then Cost and would be nice if they kept him, but I wouldn't necessarily ball my eyes out yeah um bouchard is, is like the most obvious um my my biggest fear going into the playoffs was actually and i, I i'm gonna sound like a such a such a uh a hypocriticizer um but uh my biggest fear was that bouchard was gonna be moved for eric carlson after the playoffs were over because you would get like a you'd get like a guy that is signed for multiple years versus a guy that could be asked for as much as he wants. Um, but I think after these playoffs and how much Matisse Coleman enjoys playing with him, I doubt they're going to move Evan Bouchard. I think that the, a, pro, a very big priority is going to be bringing that guy back. Um, and bridge. It, I really don't want them to bridge because they learned the hard way when it came to Darnell nurse. And, um, if in fact, and it was just discussed today, uh, by, by as as I mentioned, as I mentioned later on, uh, Frank uh, uh, Frank Rigatoni Mozzarelli, um, that uh, the the cap could actually be going up by somewhere by uh, somewhere between three and a half and four million dollars this season, um, which would be insane. And if that's the case, that opens up a lot of space for the Oilers to go long-term with Evan Bouchard, which I, I really think they should. If they can do like a six-year deal and they can get him around that anywhere from six to $7 million range, then you 1,000% have to do that because that is a cornerstone to your franchise going forward. Um, Ryan McLeod, I would love to see him coming back. Um, I, I think he's going to come back. I think that's another player that they put a lot of priority into drafting and developing him. And he's really good. Uh, he's he is a really good hockey player. So I'm just um, I just really hope that uh, they get that done. And once again, a, a player that I hope gets a little bit of a longer term deal. Um, Clem Costin, all the um, 
feedback around him. I, once again, I hate admitting this, but I listen to Oilers now way too much. Bob Stoffer talks about how important Clem Costin was to the lineup. I think that he is going to be re-signed. I think he's probably going to get like anywhere from two to three years. And I could see him coming in at about like one point something. If they pay anything over 1.5 for Clem Costin, it's a massive overpay. I think that the player is is good. Um, I think he should have gotten a little bit more ice time in the playoffs. Um, the guy, the guy works his ass off, and you saw from the amount of block shots that he had. Like it seemed like the guy was always going down because he was blocking a blocking a big shot. Um, but you want guys like that in your lineup, and I think that's really important. So um, I don't mind when it comes to Clem Costin as long as he's not getting you know two three million dollars. As long as he's getting a lower fourth line salary, then I'm I'm more than okay with him coming back. I could take it or leave it with Clem, to be honest with you. I like what he I like what he brings, like toughness yeah. and shot blocking and all that sort of stuff. But uh at the same time, uh Burgo, Levois, Holloway, we've got a lot of young guys that need time. Yeah. Or need to find their need to find their spot on this team. So if that means letting a guy like Clem go so that one of them can have a clear path. Like if you went if one of those guys win it in camp, so be it. I don't know. That's that's how I'm feeling. Yeah, and and if and if that's the case, like um, like like if he's asking for too much money, then let him walk, and you can you can fill a hole like that pretty easily. I mean, for one, Corey Perry is a UFA. That's Ooh. a guy. You can, I'm just saying, like <laughs> no, that's a guy I, I that, know, that could score goals and is a bit of a prick to play against, right? So there's yeah. there's something there. Um, okay, so uh, just overall, Miles, like thoughts on the players like who impressed you and um like who do you think should be on the like who 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 do you think has carved out a um i was listening to another podcast earlier and they mentioned a players that you can write in pen as like guys that going forward these guys need to be in the lineup and i'm not talking the obvious ones like Connor mcdavid and leon drysaddle um and then who are the guys that you really think should be on the block or like prepared to move on from fair question um guys i'm prepared to move on from start in the crease i think next year you run it back with the same guys agree but so i don't think that there's any moves to be made in the, in the net when you look at the decor i think that it is time to see what we can get for cody cc i completely agree and try to get cc gonzo um vinny de harnade broberg like kulak keep kulak i love yep. kulak um vinny de harnay broberg i mean if the right deal presented itself and they were used as a chip i again wouldn't lose sleep over Nurse, obviously, we're not getting rid of. We're, we we just spoke poetically about what we want to do to Evan Bouchard um, on the ice and off of it. So, obviously, <laughs> you're not looking to do anything there. Ekholm, big fan of. So, really, the only move I want to see on the D core is breaking up Nurse and CC forever and never oh seeing it again. It's That's such what a, we're looking it's for. It's such a cursed duo. I'm I, so fucking done with that. I want the best for Cody CC. I like the guy. Um, I think that the the room really liked him, but um, the experiment's over. <laughs> yeah, he's just he's just not particularly like he's not particularly effective. I I do think that a team. I don't think that you have to pay to get rid of Cody CC. Let's put it that way. No, I don't think he is a bad player. Well, um, you can find a dance partner easy for him. 
you just need to, you just need more from your top four. That's all. And if you get if you get the guy that fits in that that snaps into place with Darnell Nurse just as well as Matthias Ekholm snapped perfectly in with uh, with Sir Irvin, then I, I I think that you that 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 could be something really 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 good. So really 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 good. I think Let's you look go- at a couple names around there, and yeah, we'll we'll get into that today and down the road as well. Uh, let's go to the forwards. We kind of talked about the bottom six guys, I guess. And let's, you know, whatever. Um, Nuge, Hyman, Evander, um, Leon and Connor are basically untouchable. Their core, they're staying. There's really no discussing anything there. Um, we spoke about the bottom six guys and some of the young guys you want to see coming in. Really, I think the only two that are worth talking about are Fogel and Yamo. Mm-hmm. And I want to see Fogel back for the right price. Uh, well, what he's got another year though, doesn't he? Him and him and Yamo have another year left. Him yeah. and Yamo have another year, so that kind of changes a little bit. Yamo, sayonara, <laughs> goodbye. <laughs> thanks for the thanks for the series winner against the Kings. That's how I will choose to remember you. But get the fuck out of town respectfully, and then. Man, I don't know. The curious case of Warren Fogel, I think just the way that he played in that second round makes me feel like we might be, you know, hitting that point that we thought he was going to be when they got him, like that this is the kind of guy that we thought we were going to have. But who have we said that about for three seasons of this show where there's the highs and the lows and, oh, is he finally playing up to where we thought he was going to be? Oh, no, he's, he struggles for a while. And then he's back and then he's down and then he's back. Said the exact same shit about Kyler Yamamoto. Mm-hmm. And yep. I'm tired of getting hurt. And if that's one, if those are two guys we got to move out to make room for better players, I think you do it. So do I want... I'm 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 whatever with Fogel and I'm all out on Yamo. And I think two guys too that you can get real assets for. Like I think that I th- especially Warren Fogel having this playoff run and even a strong second half to the season last year. I agree with you. I think I would I would love to see him back just just not that price point. It's like if 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 Warren Fogel was making clean cost and money or even if he was making like 1.5 million dollars it's like chef's kiss like that's it that's a guy you bring back no matter what looks good um but if it if a team offers you a third or fourth round pick for warren fogel and you don't have to pay to get rid of him then i think you have to move on from him uh it's the same with Kyrie yamamoto i completely agree with you i am done with this player um i'm i'm done with the if he's not giving you lack of effort and everybody, I, I feel like I keep on seeing people that are being like, oh, you know, this guy gave a ton of effort and this guy really cared. And it's like, what, just because he moves his little five foot eight legs. And I can say that being a, a gentleman that is around that five foot eight, five foot nine mark. Um, Generous. Like, yes. <laughs> five, five, nine on a good day. Um, but like, uh, you know, the like just because you see his tiny little legs moving quick doesn't mean that he's really giving that like 110% effort that you ask for. And I must mention in game six goal on his stick, like delivered to him with a uh, precision by Mr. Ryan Nugent Hopkins. And what happens can't finish on it. And this is a player that was kept over a certain somebody who's not going to the Eastern conference final. Um, 
and we com- and everybody complained about the same thing with that player was that you couldn't finish chances. Well, sorry, Kyler, but the the chances are here. And just because you f- threw a puck on net in Game Six and it went in, or sorry, in Game Six against LA and it went in, then it d- doesn't mean that things are not cleared up. It's kind of a like a what like what have you done for me lately? And I'm sorry, but four points in twelve games in the playoffs when you get prime top six minutes is just not acceptable. With I, two thoroughbreds, with two absolute monsters in the middle, like it is just not acceptable. So if you've I'm, been sorry, finish your thought. No, go on. If you've been listening to the show for a little while, um, and if you haven't been, and if you're thinking of what you're going to do this summer, if you go back to our first season, I think it was maybe our third or fourth episode um, with Sean Patrick Ryan, I talk a little story about me running around the house swearing when they drafted Yamamoto, and that feeling has never gone away. Yamamoto and I have never vibed. He had that one magical start to his career with Nuge and Dreisaitl, but it could only go so far. Um, it's over. See you later, buddy. Have a good one. Yeah, I just think like you you try and move him for something. And, Perfect Kraken. Yeah, like we you know what I was looking at. I was just looking at like random like little deals that that maybe the Oilers could make. Um, in addition to the fact that Carson Susie's a free agent, and uh, I always like to look at people, or I always like to like a player that I'm I'm interested um, in the Oilers going after. My new tactic is now actually searching their name on Twitter and seeing how fans react to him, being like, oh, this player rules or this player is sick. And it's like, okay, I feel pretty good about bringing this player on. And man, Seattle fans seem to love Carson Soucy. Um, so if that were the case, Carson, hmm, maybe? Would you like to join the uh, the Edmonton Oilers? Um, but when it came to a Yamamoto deal, I was thinking like, um, there's a guy there, uh, Will Borgen, who is a Buffalo Saber and got selected in the expansion draft by Seattle. He's an RFA. Uh, he's an RFA coming up uh, this summer, and he logs some pretty decent top four minutes for Seattle. Now, with that being said, Seattle is a playoff team. They may not be looking to get rid of Will Borgen, but if it's something where maybe he wanted to go somewhere else, Will Borgen for Kyle Yamamoto maybe some th- somewhat of a of, of a deal to be made. I don't know, but. Um, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm just, I'm done. I'm done with Kyle Yamamoto. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, Yam, but you're just, I'm just, I am out. I am. I'm, I'm out. not sorry. I'm not sorry. See you later. Um, have a good one. Now Take this is cool. A, this is a little bit early. Um, but are there maybe just any like quick little targets that you're thinking of for the summer? <sighs> yes and no. Um, I don't know if it's because he's a Sask boy, and I just have all this shit on my Twitter and it's just popped into my head, but the Damon Severson to Edmonton discussions that have been happening on Twitter for the past like four years. I just, you talk about a guy snapping into place, man, him and him and nurse would be an interesting pair to see two big boys that play like hard defense. I don't know. I just would love to see if that happens would be fucking crazy. So I, now Stoffer was kind of like hinting around that today. Yeah, I'm not saying anything else about yeah. that because every time I do, I just my heart my heart hurts. But that yeah. would be that would be I guess would be my 
I, my little my little uh, treat. I always get different. Like I, every time I like go to look at stuff about Damon Severson, I always get two different like views on him. Is like one like one time I I'll, I'll get somebody being like. Damon Severson is like one of the best defensemen in the league that people don't talk about. And then the other time it'll be like Damon Severson is a right-handed Jake Gardner. And I'm like, Oh, okay. never mind. (laughs) So it's like, like hurt or what? No, is like, um, like, like pretty good offensively, but brutal in his own end. And it's just like, he will dish out the ab, uh, the worst absolute pizza at the worst time possible. Um, so it's something to think about, and I mean, with the with the with the Devils with and all of their defensive depth, I mean, I could easily see them moving off of Severson, but it's going to be a guy that is going to come with a pretty decent price tag. Um, a couple of guys that um, Frank Saravalli that I had actually mentioned are going to be interesting targets upcoming this summer because they are injured players, and um, because oh. they basically missed the season due to injury. Oh. There are two guys that um, he thinks the Oilers are maybe going to take a look into. Um, And these are guys that had season-ending injuries, and you can basically get them at lower cap hits. You can get them for like $1 million cap hits, but you put all their money into performance bonuses. The first one being... um, A little guy that uh, used to play with Taylor... Or sorry, used to play with Connor McDavid uh, in junior... Uh, everybody, all the Oiler fans thought he was going to be an Oiler this last summer. Bob McKenzie was talking about it. Everybody was talking about it. It seemed like it was going to be a thing. Uh, and he ended up going to the Washington Capitals, Connor Brown. And I think that if we look at uh, a player that, you know, if you move out Kyler Yamamoto, you can move in a top six, move in a top six forward in Connor Brown. I think that's a really interesting. Um, I think that's a really interesting discussion to be had, and I think that's a really good player. And if you can get him on board and completely rebuild his value, then maybe that maybe that that's something of interest. The other player, um, I don't know, he's a guy that scored forty goals a couple times. Uh, has been one of the premier goal scorers in the NHL. But he's coming off to torn Achilles, Max Pacioretty. Um, another player, and I think that the Oilers are in a unique position with how high power their offense is. Players get paid to put up production. And if you can take swings on guys that are looking to rebuild production and find themselves a secondary payday in the process, that is exactly what you need to take advantage of. And Max Pacioretty is coming off of two torn Achilles. This could be the perfect opportunity for a player like that to come in, play on the wing of one of McDavid or Drysaddle, hell, even play a third-line role at, at worst, and maybe he can snap home 30, 35 goals or something like that. I think that's a really interesting discussion to be had, um, and ultimately that's, that, that's something that I'm looking at. But I, I really think if the, if the Oilers can get a middle six winger like a, a a good middle six winger that can score at five on five and a top four defenseman. And I'm not talking high end top four defenseman. I'm just talking something better than Cody CC. Um, I think this team is going to be in a perfect position. And I think that they can, that they can, they can really, really make some noise next year. Um, did you have any thoughts on, on those guys? No, I think both of those would be really unique, interesting situations to see them unfold. Um, if I had to pick one, I might say Connor Brown, just simply for the ceiling. Um, Patcher Eddie too, like 
coming off of the same Achilles torn twice in and old and old is I would love to see him bounce back. I would love to see that be a success story. But if I could pick, if I, if I have my choice between the two of them, I would probably take Connor Brown. I think I would agree with you in that. Um, okay. Let's get uh, sad again. I, I don't think this is sad, actually. It's sad. Um, once again, uh, news from Frank Rigatoni Mozzarelli. Uh, rumor has oh. it that, oh. What? I saw what something. You, oh, you, you thought finish. they were going, okay. You finish um, and then I'll say. Uh, rumor has it that uh, Kenneth Holland will be promoted to president of hockey operations. Um, and then apparently this has been disputed since then, but yes. I'm not quite sure if that's going to be the case. Uh, noted Hockey Canada scumbag Bobby Nix would be retiring. Uh, Bob Nicholson, of course. And former oiler Steve Steos will be promoted <laughs> to general manager. So per TSN, Ryan Rashog had a brief chat with Nicholson today. Says he is not stepping down, contrary to some speculation. Uh, which, which I would say, Ryan Rashog has got his nose in there pretty good. He's really plugged in, um, but believe it or not, Ryan Rashog does not know the Oilers as well as Frank Saravalli does. Saravalli, every like every bit of news that comes from that guy usually ends up being right. It's well, kind of weird, actually. I hope he's right. Um, but that being said, like, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, Steos is a GM. I would be really interested to see. Yeah. So, uh, so for for the people that don't know, um, Steve Steos obviously was a longtime Edmonton Oiler. Um, if you don't know about this, we talked about this like maybe six episodes, seven episodes ago. Was it? Was it? Was it? Was it back then? Uh, well, anyways, um, was the GM of the Hamilton Bulldogs. Um, was also a um, uh, was also a player development advisor for the Leafs. Uh, you know, quite a few years ago. Um, but ultimately, was a big figurehead with the Hamilton Bulldogs as their general manager and led them to a. I believe did they win the Memorial Cup? I believe they did win. The they Memorial did. They Cup. did. Yeah. Um, and from from all accounts, has been one of the most highly regarded GM candidates in the NHL. Um, and the Oilers have him on their staff. Now, everybody, or sorry, Sarah Valley specifically has been kind of comparing this to a um, a really like Kyle Dubas situation, a Chris McFarland, um, and then like even like a Julian Breezeball situation. Well, no, I guess, I guess Julian Breezeball is a bit of a different one. But um, uh, Kelly McCrimmon in Vegas as well. Um, these guys that were assistant general managers or advisors or, or things like that and had actually been promoted while their general manager ended up just moving into sort of a president of hockey operations role. Um, I, I'm, I'm interested in this. I would like to see what this brings going forward. I don't really know what Steos's vision would be for this team if it if it has anything to do with being fast and working pucks out in transition really quickly then uh I'd, I'd love to see that if it meant that there's a little bit more analytics coming with it um in addition to giving Brad Hall in a bit of a bigger role then I'm super into that as well there Pittsburgh is in the midst of hiring a new GM as well not as yeah. well because the Oilers aren't doing that at this moment. Um, but just seeing the names of people that they're like, it's Shirelli, it's Bergevin, it's all these guys that have been let go or have been in the NHL and bounced around. Um, and I want the Oilers to do the exact opposite of that, which is bring somebody brand new in 
um, because like some of the names Nolan mentioned before, these new GMs that come in um, seem to have a different way of thinking. And I think that that's exactly what the Oilers front office needs is a different way of thinking because they've done it the same way for so freaking long. It's about time we try something different. And Steve Steos has had a tremendous amount of success. Uh, former player, like, checks a lot of boxes for me. I think that that would be the direction to go. I would love to see it personally. Yeah, and they're well. One of the one of the teams that apparently has been sniffing around Steve Steos as well is the Ottawa Senators. If oh, fuck fact, off, Ottawa. If in fact the minority owner of the Montreal Canadiens, Michael Anlauer, wins the bid for the Ottawa Senators, people are thinking that he could end up um, hiring Steos as his general manager if in fact he purchases the team. But well, to, um, to, to quote Flames fan Dill, I'll punch him in the back of the head if they do that. <laughs> Um, I, I think at the end of the day, I think that we are going to see Steve Steos as general manager by the draft. So exciting stuff, uh, exciting stuff. I just, I think Ken Holland has bounced back pretty well in the last, uh, in the last six months. He's, he's definitely gotten in my good graces. And at the end of the day, like we all do need to admit in some way, like the Oilers are a better team under Ken Holland. I think that there have been issues. Don't get me wrong, but the Oilers are a better team. And he came to this team with like Gaetan Haas in a potential top six role, like Joachim Nygaard in a top six role. Um, who, who, who is another who, I mean, Josh Archibald played with Connor McDavid. Like that's terrifying to think about. And he's been able to rebuild this into something pretty special. Um, think they could be a little bit better but what can you do what can you do nolan yeah um per the nhl this is just i felt like this is a good time to interject 14 brackets correctly predicted all 12 series winners to this point yeah so you remember brackets all had the oilers losing and we don't like them but do you remember at the top of the show when i said a moment of silence for all those brackets i got busted yeah the fact that there are 14 left is 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 March Madness level bullshit. <laughs> Those guys need to buy lottery tickets. Oh, speaking of which, Miles, can I can I just can I do a, like a quick like side thing about what about what happened this weekend? Yes. I went to I went to a Jack and Jill with Taylor and What is a Jack and Jill? It's like um uh, where they basically they'll have like they it's like a party. They'll do like raffles and stuff for prizes. It's like raise money for like the wedding. Okay. Yeah. They sometimes also call it like a buck and dough. Okay. I've never heard of those. Oh, okay. Well, sorry. It must be an Ontario thing. Um, well, I didn't say it like that, but okay. Whatever. Folks you vote. <laughs> I'm kidding. Merle's. Um, but um, the, so anyways, uh, Taylor was a bridesmaid. So she had to make up like a raffle basket and it ended up being uh, lottery tickets, or sorry, scratch tickets. So scratch tick basket, and every and like she made one for a Jack and Jill like a few months ago, and it was a it was it was a huge hit. Like everybody bid on it, obviously. And so uh, 
I dropped like, I don't know, 60 bucks on raffle tickets. And then I went and just dropped a bunch of raffle tickets in, in all these different baskets. Um, the two I heavily focused, sorry, the three that I heavily focused on were a uh, basket full of just chocolate and snacks and stuff. The second one was one for just a bunch of gift cards in it. And the third one was obviously Taylor's scratch ticket basket. Well, Miles, guess who won the scratch ticket basket? That's right, your friggin' boy. <laughs> and then didn't you win another one too? Yes, I won the snack basket. That's massive. That's huge, such a big dub. Huge night for me. So um, I, I, so I, I feel like those, th- those, those non-bracket busted people is uh, I, sh- I should be, I should be just scratching all the tickets I can find. Uh, so far, I've scratched like twelve tickets, and I've uh, won like a total of seven dollars so far. So big moves. Um, it can only go up from here. <laughs> Big moves. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, I, I say it can only go up from here. It can actually go down from here. Uh, the Oilers locker room cleanout. To, uh, the lo- Oilers locker room cleanout day was today, and uh, here are some highlights. McDavid and Drysaddle were together, clearly dejected, but that that's expected when you surprisingly lose early in the playoffs. Um, however, both players reassured they want to win here. This isn't all that groundbreaking, but Connor did focus on one thing, which was the culture that they've built here from the ground up. I think that does say something because Connor McDavid is typically a pretty quiet guy. Um, he, if you want a guy who's going to give you the most boring answer possible, um, Look no further than Mister Ninety Seven. Uh, so it 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 did it did make me feel nice to see that he he had mentioned that like it's very important to see it through with the culture that they've built around these two stars. So good to see, good to see, good to um, see. Uh, not good to see this next guy, uh, Zachary Martin Hyman and Matthias Ekholm. Ekholm Warriors. Board is sporting a gnarly cut and shiner from it from the high stick in uh, game six. Um, really just went into how much he loves the city and how much he loves the team, even saying there was no other team that he wanted to be traded to. Now, this is just kind of like dime a dozen shit that you hear from players after after a season, but like it genuinely seems like Matthias Ekholm fucking loves being an oiler and that rules. Um, Hyman didn't get too much into it, but he did have an injury. Uh, nobody really knows what it was, um, and he did not really want to talk about it, but he felt that it was getting better as the playoffs went on. And fun fact about Zachary Martin Hyman, visib- I mean, in addition to the fact that he's a children's author, um, visibly pissed off. Like, I- I've never seen Zachary Martin Hyman look this upset. The only other time that I've seen him this mad was when I stalked the Oilers in Ottawa, uh, and he came out of the elevator and he had a mean look on his face. I'm like, Ooh, spooky. Um, so this is kind of interesting. And I'm, 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 I'm wondering what next season Zachary Martin Hyman looks like if he's writing another children's book and then decides that he's going to absolutely kill the entire league. Um, so it's really good to see. I, I, I like seeing these guys show a little bit of, a little bit of, a little bit of, a little pizzazz. bit of gert. A little bit yeah. Gert. yeah, a little bit of gert, a little bit of gout. Um, maybe that's what was holding them up. Hey, just having a little bit too much gefilka fish. <laughs> it's really salty. <laughs> Buddy's got scurvy. Uh, Evander Kane also injured. Uh, and sorry, 
I should have mentioned Evander Kane and Stuart Skinner were uh, uh, were next up. Uh, Kane was also injured, but the injuries were not particularly disclosed. It's speculated by a lot of people that he had a broken finger in the other hand that wasn't his wrist that he uh, sliced open against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, and then apparently there was also a rib injury in the process. So I we didn't really talk about Evander Kane all that much, but he had a pretty dreadful playoffs despite the fact that he was kind of like getting into it physically so I thought there was something there however um where my frustration kind of lied was like if Evander Kane was 30% of Evander Kane then he either should not have been in the lineup or he should have been pushed down significantly and we should have seen maybe an appearance from I don't know a guy like Dylan Holloway who's been sitting on the benches this entire time um but all I hope for is that Evander Kane gets healthy this season because we cannot go into next season with Kane playing a role that's just like tough, mean guy enforcer. Like this guy has to be a goal scorer again. Otherwise they're staring at a $5.1 million cap hit for a fourth liner. And uh, don't don't even say that that's not going to happen. He had a fucking horrendous (laughs) luck this season. Don't even manifest. Don't even speak of it, please. Okay. Please. I'm sorry. I just, I don't want that bug being put I, I in don't, the ear. I don't need that evil on me, Ricky I don't, Bobby. Ricky Bobby, I do. I hope you have handsome athletic sons. <laughs> and their hands are taken from them. <laughs> I'm so paralyzed. Um, uh, uh, and then Stuart Skinner. I mean, you see... Uh, Actually, we never mentioned this. Did you watch the actual post-game availabilities from McDavid, Drysaddle, and Skinner? No. Oh, my God. Okay, for for one, Leon's was absolutely heartbreaking. Like, one of the most heartbreaking things I've ever seen. You like when he looked exactly like Nathan McKinnon? Yeah. yeah. Like, when he, yeah, was basically crying. Um, Which, once again, uh, I hate to sound morbid, but you'd like to see that. You love seeing that from a guy that is one of your stars on your team. Um, but Stuart Skinner, the guy's been wearing the loss pretty hard. And obviously the numbers were not great, but we did mention like, you can't put this all on Stuart Skinner. Um, it, it has to do with the product around you. And I, ultimately I think that he's going to be a much better goalie coming out of this. Um, he feels the motivation to come back and be a better goalie. He said that he, that he has a hard summer ahead of him. Uh, and then another little thing that I, I really liked and I think is, uh, I, I think is, is, is really cool is like he mentioned that he kept his broken stick from game six and he's going to hang it up his wall. He's going to hang it up on his wall and use it as like motivation to be resilient going forward. I think that's mm-hmm. really sweet. And I that think it's really cool to hear. That is nice. And I, I want the best for Stuart Skinner. New dad, Stuart Skinner. I hope he has a great summer with his, his newborn child. Um, and he like is healthy and gets his mind right and comes back next year ready to just ball out. Oh, man. When he, when he hits the ground running, I think we're going to be in for like a stud goalie. I'm, I'm, I'm really high on Stuart Skinner. Yeah. I don't, I don't like the Stuart Skinner slander and I don't think that, I don't think it's, I don't think it's fair. No, I don't either. Okay. That basically does it for our like. Oilers. Oilers for the season. Um, Happy season Oilers. Good, good year boys. We'll obviously, we'll obviously, we'll obviously talk about them more uh, going forward. 
um, in in the show because obviously we're not we're not gonna just not talk about the Oilers. The show is called One for One for a reason. So I'm sure that the, that we'll probably grasp straws for little nuggets going forward. Um, but I mean, we've got the draft coming up, free agency coming up. Um, so there, there, there are a lot of things to look forward to. So I, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to see where the team goes from here. As long as they look to get better, that's all. I don't want to see them come back with the exact same group and then they sit on their they sit on their hands and go, well, team got us this far, so you can't go all in every year. This team is all in, and that was another thing I wanted to mention too. McDavid specifically opened by saying this this team is this team's mentality is cup or bust. That is fucking sick we love that is rockstar that is rockstar yeah do you want to get into let's go back in time chronologically here you want to talk about the nhl draft lottery let's do it um because the chicago scumbag blackhawks won the first overall pick hopping the anaheim ducks and the columbus blue jackets in the process allowing them and giving them the ability to select regina pats forward phenom most anticipated first overall pick since Connor McDavid, Connor Bedard. Miles, how are you feeling about this? Uh, okay, I've kind of gone back and forth on this a little bit because at, at the t- at the time, at the time it happened, the night it happened, just seeing everybody's reaction on Twitter and talking to some people and stuff, I was I was kind of getting to the point where I'm like, okay, Wimpo is like, shut up, like I'm. It, it happened. It's over. Complain all you want. Like it is what it is. But then I saw a tweet. I can't remember who it was from. I think but I know it, what you're about to talk about. It was kind of highlighting the um, just like lack of accountability from the NHL. Like mm-hmm. Arizona, Arizona had workouts for players, uh, like unsanctioned workouts or whatever, and lost a first round pick. The mm-hmm. Rangers signed Ilya Kovalchuk to what was then a legal contract. Um, some rules were changed around, whatever, and ended up having to for forfeit a first overall or first round pick. So it is bullshit that the Blackhawks didn't have to forfeit a pick with the covering of the sexual assault, uh, and then writing a letter of recommendation for for a sexual abuser. But whatever. Um, that being said that probably would have been last year that they would have gotten that pick taken. Right. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, man. I I don't know. I personally wanted him to go to Columbus just because I wanted to see him play with Johnny Gaudreau and Patrick Laine. Um, But I don't know. There's, there's lots of feelings with this, with him going to Chicago, lots of yuckiness, but at the same time, man, the NHL is doing what the NHL is doing the point of complaining about it at like after all the dust has settled the way that it has is is really just in my opinion complaining for the sake of it well my biggest issue with it miles is once again yeah like they weren't fined any pick or they weren't uh they didn't have to forfeit any picks in the process but a, a, another interesting tweet and this is the one that I thought you were going to bring up was the Chicago Blackhawks were fined two million dollars for the uh, a, a multi-billion dollar a multi-billion dollar organization. By the way, fined two million dollars um, for the Kyle Beach. Uh, I don't want to say scandal because it's not a scandal; it's a thing that happened. Um, and in less than twenty-four hours after winning the Connor Bedard sweepstakes, the Chicago Blackhawks 
reported an additional $2.5 million in revenue from season ticket sales. So they, they gained $500,000 in the process. And it just looks really gross in the league. And I'm not saying that the, that the league, and I don't point blame at the, at the management group behind the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, Kyle Davidson had nothing to do with this. Um, uh, who's the, who's the coach again? Um, Richardson, Luke Richardson had nothing to do with this. The player, most of the players in the organization had nothing to do with this. And I, I, I totally, it's like, the, I, the I don't owner blame. is the owner. It's Rocky the, fucking Wurtz, man. Like the, is the only guy left like Rocky, but the, that's, that's where my issue lies is like Rocky Wurtz is like, Oh, I don't want to talk about this anymore. It's like, well, yo, yo, sorry, man. Like you, you think that this is going to just be swept into the rug and we're not going to talk about this anymore. And then you get Connor Bedard in the process. You get you get the the best prospect that the NHL has seen since Connor McDavid. You get a a like Mount Rush. Or Mount, well, I don't want to say Mount Rushmore prospect, but you get one of the best prospects this league has ever seen. And it's just it just looks so bad on the league that that's all. That's that that's it. That's all. And I think that I don't think that there was rigged or anything like that. Um, I think that's completely blown out of proportion because if that were the case, I feel like the NHL, this is the last team that they would want <laughs> to see win the lottery because it's like, I don't know about that one. Um, I don't know. It's just, yeah, I uh, I just, I do, it just it just sucks. It just sucks to see. That's all. Um, and now they're uh, the Chicago Blackhawks are about to go from a dynasty with Kane, Taves, Keith, and all them uh, to now having... Like I said, one of the best prospects the the league has ever seen. So, um, I think people are overstating not the best prospect thing, but people are overstating like how quickly this rebuild is going to happen for them. Like they're going to suck for a while. I I don't know about that one. They're Chicago. Think, they're Chicago. They can get free agents. Chicago. I don't know. I think they're going to be fucking shitty for a, for a while yet. Um. I don't know if I should even say this. Uh, if I should even if I should even be bringing this up on the record, but I heard a little birdie in the Regina stratosphere that uh, Bedsy wants to play another year of junior. That's not going to happen. Uh, well, I'm just saying. That's why I said I don't know if I want to bring it up or not. But that's uh, that's something that has been rumbling in Regina is that he, they're going to be a, his camp is going to be approaching uh approaching whichever team picks him about the prospect of going back to start the year. Um I I will I will tell you this Miles. I will personally post a nude picture to one the one for one Twitter account if Connor Bedard plays in Regina next season. You know, it's nuts you say that because I've also said that about things that I would post a dick pic on the Instagram story if, you know, a Vander Kane got a hat trick, something shit like that, you know, whatever. But um, I don't know. We'll see. You, you never know how the discussions are going to go, but the source on that is pretty good that he there at least want to talk about it, which would be nuts. Which would be bananas, which I could kind of see Chicago wanting to do because Chicago benefits tremendously from them being bad again. They tremendous they benefit tremendously having him there to sell tickets, but And that's where being it comes bad in. being bad again would be huge for them. Yeah, but also Connor Bedard, uh Connor like they're gonna work in performance bonuses and stuff, and when Connor Bedard sees so what his young. performance bonus 
performance bonus is going to be. He's going to be uh, licking he's his a, chops. He's one of the youngest players in the draft, and he's a little undersized. I could. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. He's pretty so, thick. Yeah. He's like a hundred eight. He's like one hundred eighty-five pounds or something like that. Big boy lifting. Um, yeah. where did you want to see him go? Realistically, um, I wanted to like. Uh, okay, I, I don't want him to be in division, but there's something so sweet about him going to the Sharks, which I think would have been so innocent and and nice. I don't know, just like considering Eric Carlson probably won't get traded for the foreseeable future. Um, seeing Eric Carlson have a new friend would be kind of interesting. Um, but I don't want to see him in division. Um, and then the other one too is like Detroit. I felt like they were kind of due at some point. Uh, but yeah, Columbus, I, I would say was probably the interesting one. Cause it's like, Oh, Johnny Gaudreau signed in Columbus and they suck. And then, but they are building one of the best prospect pools in the entire league. So it would have been, it would have been pretty cool to see, but um, I don't know. It's, at this point, it's just he's a Chicago Blackhawk. As you know, what at the end of the day, he didn't go to he didn't go to Arizona, and that's good. That's good for us. That is good for that's good for the brand. Um, second question about the draft, and then I swear to gosh, we can move on. Um, where do you think Mitchkov goes? Oh, that is an interesting question. Um, because there's a lot of speculation about how far he's going to fall due to the I whole, know. like not being able to, cause what's his contract until like 2026 or something like it's that? It's three more years. Ugh. Um, you know, I'd love to see happen. <laughs> if you say Montreal, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pull your beard out. No, trading up all the way into like the top 15, your Edmonton Oilers. <laughs> 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 The team who has time to time to wait. <laughs> Could you friggin' imagine? I would piss my pants. Connor, Connor, and Leon both sign extensions. Hey boys, I'm rewarding you with something. Here's Matt Vaymichkov, fresh off of scoring 75 goals in the KHL. Do you remember the guy that they were talking about rivaling Bedard as a pick, and then nobody was able to watch him because Russia shut down? Um, here he is, and you got him. <laughs> Hooray! I think people forget how nuts this kid is. Oh, he's so good. He's so like, good. No one was able to have eyes on him this year playing in the cage. Not no one, but like he, limited amount of eyes on him. He had a terrible start, and then because I think he wasn't he playing for like CSKA or something like that, or he was playing yeah, for the, a really the big oh, club, Dynamo oh, Moscow or something. Yeah, and then he um, let me oh, let me pull it up here. Um. Yeah, he was playing, or no, he was, yeah, he was playing with SKA St. Petersburg, and then he got sent down to the VHL, and then he ended up getting traded to, um, ended up getting traded to Air, sorry, got sent on loan to HK Sochi, um, in which, so, for, 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 um, for SKA, he had zero points in three games, and then in Sochi, he had 20 points in 27 games. Now, Whoever's not uh, familiar, sorry, that was kind of a gross sort of burp there. Um, whoever's not familiar with like KHL scoring and young guys playing in the KHL, KHL is very like is a very 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 good league. And even at like Alex Ovechkin, I think was like a not even a point per game player uh, with his uh, in his age seventeen season in Dynamo Moscow. So, and that was back when it was the Russian Super League. So, like, a player putting up 20 points in 27 KHL games is pretty significant. So, um, yeah, he is 
really nasty and really good at hockey. And I mean, this this draft too is also like from ever from all the all the insider not insiders, but all the all the prospect analysis. Uh, apparently, it's quite loaded. And that's also going to start with like Adam Fantilli as well, who is most likely going to go to the Ducks at number two. I think that's a really nice fit for Anaheim. Yeah, Carlson, Fantilli. I don't know. I I personally see Mitchkov going five to Montreal. I, I think, think that, he's. I feel like he's going to fall to like out just outside the top ten. I feel like Montreal has a good like group of guys already. And I could see them maybe making that flyer move and wait, like, you know what I mean? And and putting that investment into them. I don't know. We'll see. But I'm really excited about Matt Vimichkov and just to see where this draft goes in general. There's lots of good guys, lots of really young, fucking weird way to say it. Lots of really good prospects. I'm excited to see how, how it goes out. Um, but that's enough draft talk, Nolan, because the freaking playoffs have mm-hmm. been nuts this year. Mm-hmm. The freaking playoffs have been nuts. Let's check in around the NHL here and look at the second round and get into it series by series. And there is no series I would rather start with than the Toronto Maple Leafs versus the Florida Panthers. Uh, Leafs being that Atlantic second and the Panthers being that wild card too. If you've been living under a rock, you may not have noticed or known, but Toronto fell to the Panthers in five games. Sergei Bobrovsky was a freak. Matthew Kachuk, also a freak. The Leafs' core did not perform up to snuff. Samsonov got hurt. In came uh, Joseph Wool, Wool or whatever, how do you say it? Um, and the We Want Florida chants were, were quickly silenced in uh, Scotiabank Center, whatever they play at. Yeah, it's um I will say um pretty funny that they lost to the Panthers in the way that they did. And I and like I was I don't know. I I've I think I've I think I'm going to like heel turn to a total hater this year. Um because I've I've been a I've I I for a long time been a very nervous fan, like I like a very nervous fan of the Oilers where it's like I don't want to chirp too much because like I feel we like a, we live in a glass house and you can't throw stones if you live in one of those. Exactly. And I feel like karma's a bitch. But you know, after seeing how much Lee fans love to tap dance on the Oilers after they lost, um, I, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna become a hater again. Again. Cause I, I know I used to be a hater pretty hard on this podcast and I was kind of turning a new new leaf, but I think it's time to actually go back into my reputation era, Nerlin. So I, I think I'm, I think I'm going to be evil again, but yeah, um, the, like, you can't, you can't bring back the same, the same core of the Leafs. Like you just can't, right? Like you did can't you, do this again. No. And they didn't like the, the boys played poor in that series against uh, Florida the thing. I want to say about the lack of respect Florida has been getting, and I'm guilty of it too, because I had them getting smoked by Boston, whatever. But Florida, if they've proven anything, it's that they're... Do you remember at the start of the season when we were talking about the Panthers like coming off of a President's Trophy win last year and mm-hmm. this team having a lot of sneaky, dirty ability to be good? Mm-hmm. I think they're finally just late bloomers living up to the hype that everybody had for them at the start of the year. Yeah. Um, I think that they're about to they're about to face a pretty, pretty hard test in Carolina coming up here. Like I, the, Spoilers! Oh, sorry. Well, we haven't uh, gone there yet. Okay, so. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> but yes, I think the 
Florida Panthers have been awesome, um, and they've been a really good story too. It is really cool seeing Sergey Bobrovsky be awesome again. Like, just it's so sick. I love, I love when ten million dollar goaltenders are so bad and a complete liability for their team, and then for some reason they get thrown in the playoffs and they turn back into a Vesna candidate again. This league is so fucking stupid, and the goaltending position is like insane. And it, I just, I love it. A um, couple things I want to say about the Leafs because I, I'm a, I'm a noted Leafs hater yeah. and I I will wear that badge with honor. Um, the Dubas interview or post whatever locker clean out interview made me sad. Basically, yeah. he was like, if you haven't seen it, he was basically saying, um, I don't want to leave Toronto. I don't know what the future holds for me. Uh, I don't want a trade or like, you know, I don't want to put my family through any upheaval. So like if they move on from me, I'm not going to be looking for jobs. You, you never know how much of that's true or whatever, but he seems like a pretty straight shooter. And, you know, from a GM perspective, like Dubas did a really good job of building that team and making uh, acquisitions for them with limited cap space for the past couple of seasons, like getting Felino last year. And then this year getting Ryan O'Reilly and then all those guys from Chicago. Uh, he, I don't know. They've, they've got an issue in, in Toronto. That's bigger than just the GM. I don't think it's, it falls on Kyle Dubas. I think it's more of a Keefe issue. I think I, I've never been a really big Sheldon Keefe guy. That being said, um, it is going to be the end of an era because for sure somebody in that core is getting traded, whether it's Dubas uh, moving out one of those players or a new GM coming in and making his mark, but something's going to happen with that core. And I personally think it's Mitchie that's going to get traded. For Leaf fans' sake, I, I do hope it's Mitch Marner. And also for the content purposes, I hope it's Mitch Marner. Um, I mean, there would be something really really funny about Kyle Dubas moving on and then Austin Matthews being like, um, I've got one year left and I don't plan on re-signing. I yeah. mean, I, I mean, I don't want karma to come back to get me, but like that would be an insane story to happen. And that would probably be the most like monumental thing to happen in this league in 25 years since like the Gretzky trade. It it makes me really sad to see what these Leafs guys go through every year. And I'm not talking about the fans. I'm talking about the actual guys because we've been through this song and dance so many times as fans, especially from fans on the outside. Like, do you remember when it was Fanuf and Kessel and they were mm -hmm. getting shit like, why aren't you scoring more goals? Why aren't you driving offense? Why aren't you making those plays from the back end? Why aren't you being a better leader? Like the media was very like you, you, you. And they're not as direct with these young guys, which again, isn't fair. Uh, this is a roundabout way of me just kind of critiquing what these guys have to go through. I'm not pointing fingers at the players, but they're damned if they're too emotional they're damned if they show no emotion like they're getting dragged on Twitter for now. Uh, th they can't win in that media market. It feels like Toronto would be such a toxic place to play as a player. I feel really bad for Matthews and Marner and Willie and, 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 and what those guys have to go through. It's sad. It's really, really sad to see it happening here. Um, I don't want to make this all about the Leafs since they are the team that lost. We do need to commend Florida. They beat them handedly. Um, want to give a lot of credit to Florida because they've been getting slept on throughout the entire playoffs, but good on them for, yep. for doing, for doing 
not once but twice what nobody thought they could do in beating powerhouse Bruins and then beating a, a stacked Leafs team. Yeah, yeah, one thousand percent, man. Like it's they, 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 they're just they're just pricks to play against. They are absolute pricks to play against. So, um, looking forward to seeing what they do in the Eastern Conference Final. Um, moving on from there, the uh, number one seed in the Metro took on the number three seed in the Metro. Uh, Carolina played New Jersey, and I mean Carolina outclassed the Young Devils and took this in five games. Um. They just look like a completely different breed against New Jersey. Uh, Goaltending goal instability really showed up for the Devils after being like lights out in round one. Um, Carolina, just savvy veterans that just kind of know how to do it up to this point. They obviously Mark, haven't won a cup yet, but they just they just know what they're doing there. Martinuk was, if you watched any of this series, Martinuk was a man. Yeah. Yeah, he was, yeah, didn't he have like nine points in the series? Yeah, like he that? went yeah. nuclear. Yeah, no, he was he was really good. And but ultimately, like the Devils are going to be awesome. The Devils have such a bright future ahead of them. They have got all of their like prime young guys locked up to cheap, cheap, cheap contracts. Dude, Jack Hughes makes eight million dollars for like seven more years after this. No, he doesn't. Yes, that's the contract. That much. They that's the contract they signed him to before he broke out. In the offseason. Yeah, bef- yeah, before he broke out. Oh, my out. God. That's freaky. That's yeah. freaky. It's like they're... Well, let me just read... Just Let me just quickly go through the contracts on, on, on Jersey, okay? Their highest paid player is Dougie Hamilton at $9 million. Which isn't even that much. Not even that much, and he's a damn good defenseman. Their second highest paid player is Jack Hughes, who makes $8 million bucks. Nico Heischer makes seven point two, so their their top two centermen make fifteen million dollars, and that's, that is probably what Austin Matthews is going to sign for. That's ridiculous. That yeah. is actually that's that's good for them. Good for them. And the only players that they have signed uh, past this upcoming season are those those two: Andre Pilat, uh, Curtis Lazar, technically. Um, John Marino, Jonas Siegenthaler, and Vitek Vanacek. Other than that, it's wide open. They can do whatever they want. And with the cap going up, the, the, the that's that's going to be a really good team and a potential powerhouse going forward. So Timo Meyer, Timo Meyer kind of shit the bed for them. Hey, as a as a deadline acquisition. I think it was just kind of it's it's hard to it's hard to acclimate yourself into the new environment. I still think they're gonna, and I think that that could be the best thing to that could be the best thing to happen to this Devil Squad is he could have a bad playoffs and then resign for like seven years at six million bucks a piece, and then just continue to crush it going forward. So I don't know. sucks, Fair but enough. they have a really bright future going forward. So that sets up uh, Panthers and and Hurricanes out east. We'll get mm-hmm. we'll get to that in a, in a minute here. Uh, the remaining Western Conference series was the second place Central Dallas Stars facing off against the Wild Card One Seattle Kraken. Uh, this one went the distance. It went seven games. Dallas took it in a thrilling yet tight effort. Rope Hines <laughs> and Wyatt Jernson getting the goals in this game seven. This Dallas team, quote Nolan, looks fucking lethal. Um, boring series, 
like good series, but like there was lots of times where I was watching it and I'd look up at the at the clock and it'd be like, oh my god, the shots are nine to eight in the middle of the second period. Hmm. Hmm. Um. Uh, can I bitch about the stars for a second just before you start to, you know, put your jurgens on? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So in round one, Jake Ottinger looked fantastic and played really really well um round two a little bit of cracks in the armor started the show from the likes of york strand and uh jordan eberly and maddie berniers i am going to be watching the western conference final very closely to see what like an eichel um marcia show carlson chandler stevenson mark stone led offensive group can do because i don't know i don't know if i'm as sold on ottinger as i was before I think that you probably have to have a little bit of a rickety series um, on a big run. And I just, I don't know, man, Dallas is just, they've got, they've got everything you want. And that 2017 draft is still paying off dividends for them. Like their first three picks. and Heiskanen. Yeah, their first three picks were Miro Heiskanen, uh, Jake Ottinger, and uh, Jason Robertson. Like Which that's is nuts. nuts. That's yeah. ridic- ridiculous to hit like that. And it's kind of similar to what we felt about McDavid going into the second round, which is like Jason Robertson has had a pretty quiet, like a pretty quiet playoff so far. And if he breaks out in round three, watch out Vegas, because that's a, that's a, that's a man on a mission. And this is going to be a really motivated Dallas team that has, that was already in a uh, that that was that was already in a Stanley Cup final a couple of years ago, and they're going to be back at it, really wanting to really wanting to take it. So, I'm excited to see where that goes. Um, I really like this Dallas team. I I know that I know that you hate my Dallas my Dallas love, but they're just really good, and I I would love to see Joe Pavelski lift the Stanley Cup. I would, I would absolutely love it, and I think that 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 Seattle series was a really good wake up call for them, because it really showed them like, you know, we can't just we can't just walk all over, or we can't we can't underestimate our opponent, and I think that they're going to go into this series like ready to kind of just t- you know take care of business more than anything. But shout out Seattle for having the first year for having the second year that they did. Like they were awesome this season. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. looks like he bounced back. Um, Berniers is going to be, is a Calder candidate. Might very good chance of winning it. Uh, their coach, uh, Jack Adams uh, candidate as well. Lots of things to be excited. And dude, this was all done without Shane Wright. Mm-hmm. So Seattle is not, a pushover. Seattle's going to be good. Shane Sucked. Wright, who had a very stinky OHL playoffs, by the way. Oh, did he? he? Oh, yeah. I think he had like, I want to say he had like one point in like four games and then they were swept. Yikes. Yeah, it was it was a really rough go for Shane Wright. So hopefully he has a nice little bounce back um, in, his, in, in his second season. Uh, I'm actually just looking this up right now. Um, Let's go to, uh, oh, sorry. He had three points in four, in four games and they were swept. Yeah. That's, that's, that's not, that's not a good look for Shane. Right. Um, okay. Uh, anything else you want to mention with those previous series? 
No, because I would like to read the tweet that I put in here about the conference finals. If you would, if you would let me let me do that, I'd love I'd love that. So the reason that I included this tweet specifically is because, uh, and I'm guilty of this too. I I have said this a few times. No, the Oilers are out. I don't give a fuck anymore. I'm not watching the playoffs. I'm kind of done with hockey. I don't really care what happens. All oh, fucking playoffs. Grumble, grumble, grumble. I've heard that from lots of fans. I've seen that on Twitter. Um, but Jay Fresh Hockey, no free ads. Good guy. Uh, friend of the show. No one likes him. Uh, okay. Time for the crazy, weird, off-putting, uninteresting conference finals of a 113-point team, a 111-point team, a 108-point team, and last year's President's Trophy winner. I think that that's a really good reminder of of what we've got on deck here for the Final Four. We've got some very good hockey teams that are going to be playing some really, really f- interesting series here. Yeah, it, it, it's true. Um, there's There's been like people complaining about the fact that they're all like technically smaller markets and things like that. It's like, who cares, man? If the hockey's good, the hockey's good. That's all that matters. Dude, I personally love it. Carolina, yeah. Carolina cursed hasn't won a cup since 06. Florida never won one. Vegas never won one, despite being in like four of the last six conference finals, whatever. And Dallas's last cup was in 99. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's great that we're going to see, a, a new champion really a team that some people like we haven't seen win in freaking two decades that's fantastic and some guys on these teams that we really want to see win finally win stanley cups like you look at carolina like you'd love to see brent burns finally win a stanley cup uh you look at florida you'd love to see alexander barkov and <clears throat> sorry flames fans but matthew kachuk like you'd love to i know that they, those aren't and old Bob. guys yeah Bob. and bob as well like that'd be sick yeah. um Ekblad, former first overall pick yeah, um, you know you don't want to see guys like Mark and Eric Stahl win the Stanley Cup, but whatever you take, you take the good with the or take the bad with the good. Uh, Vegas, even um, seeing somebody like Mark Stone finally win it, like that'd be pretty. I mean, I don't really want them to win it after the series with the Oilers, but whatever. And then obviously, I mentioned already from the you know from the hop, but like I would fucking love to see Joe Pavelski lift the Stanley Cup yeah. final. A Ryan Suter Stanley Cup would be nice too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, there, 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 there's a lot of guys in these teams that we could, that you can absolutely cheer for uh, going forward. So um, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. I don't know if I'm ready to watch the conference finals just yet, because I think the, 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 the sadness is still a little much for me, um, but we'll see. I, I'm definitely going to watch the cup final for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm probably going to watch every weekend um, the weeknight games, like the early ones. I don't know. I might just check in on um, the late later start ones out west. Probably going to going to check out a few of them, but I, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be good hockey. And at the end of the day, uh, the end of the day, good hockey is is good hockey. And I'm happy yeah. about that. Um, predictions, Nolan, mm-hmm. Carolina and Florida. Let's start there. Well, I, I'm I'm predicting that if I'm going to watch any games, it's going to be these games because uh my my prediction of of the conference final is that I'm going to be getting more sleep because my sleeping schedule is complete is absolutely fucked right now. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, um, my head says Carolina, my heart says Florida. 
That's exactly where I am too. Cause I'm yeah. like, I have not given a cred of respect or a shred of respect to Florida all playoffs and look what it's done to me. But in the same breath, I haven't given any props to Carolina all playoffs and look what it's done to me. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was like, oh, whoever wins the Rangers and Devils is gonna go to the conference final. And they got stomped by this Carolina team. So that one is a coin flip for me, but I do see Carolina taking it myself. How do you think I feel? I freaking picked the Islanders over Carolina. Hey man, we're we're just two guys. <laughs> just two guys making poor decisions. Um yeah, I I I I completely agree with that. I think that um I think Carolina's got this in six. I, don't know I think it's gonna. Either. I think it's gonna. Oh, fuck, I hate agreeing with you, but I think it's. I think it's gonna be Carolina in six as well. Well, we we're we're so uh, uh, in sync. Yeah, in sync, syncopated. Um, okay, Vegas against Dallas. I think you know where I'm going with this. Yeah. Give so. Me- Give me Dallas and seven, baby. Dallas and seven. Okay, so here's the thing about uh, about your good pal Miles, mm-hmm. is that even when I'm losing, I'm winning. Okay. Even when I'm down, I'm winning. So this is why I'm cheering for Vegas. Because <laughs> you One. want because you want the Oilers to lose to the Cup champion. Yes, because I love that <laughs> argument where it's like, hey, we were just a victim of circumstance. Like, who who are we to get in the way of destiny? It sucks, but if you're going to lose to the champ, you know, at least you're just part of the story and, and it is what it is. It feels better. It doesn't hurt as much. Reason number one why I'm cheering for Vegas. Reason number two why I'm cheering for Vegas. Are you familiar with a Calcutta auction style draft? No. No, so neither was I until uh, this this year. I went to the I went to the Tully Met uh, playoff hockey playoff draft, and I had a blast. All right, so I'm in. Shout out to I don't know if anybody's still listening from from that draft, but I know a couple of guys were checking out the show. So shout out to all the boys from from the Tully Mutt draft. They know how to do it. So walk into this hall. Little Saskatchewan Hall, middle of nowhere. Oh, I love got, that. Got plywood on the walls. Like they've got a picture of Queen Elizabeth when she is 30. Like it is, <laughs> it is super sask. They got crock pots full of sausage going, fresh oh. buns, cookies. There's sour progies? No progies, just, oh. just uh, sausage okay. and buns. And then all around the room, they have all of the 16 teams with the top like 20 guys that score points on those teams uh, up available for for auction, right? And you're there as your team of 10 or 12, or you're, there's 12 teams of like four guys. Um, and they had a cattle auctioneer doing the actual auction, That's which so was, sick. it was so the style, man, is out of this world. Uh, everyone's drinking great westerns. No free ads, but everybody's sucking Great Westerns back. And uh, the way that they do it is they pull the name, and that's when you draft. You have, like, your 30 bucks or whatever. So, like, players are going – like, some guys are going for 25 cents. Some guys are going for, like, 12 bucks, 15 bucks. So, it's it's difficult, and it's totally at random. So, do you – your strategies, right? Are you going to save your money for McDavid and at the end and miss out on him? And then you've got 15 bucks to spend and you buy Shea Theodore for $8. Like, I don't know. Right. So a few different things like that were going on, whatever. So we draft our team. And then at the end of this, they're like, Oh, well next up's the Calcutta. And I'm like, well, what the fuck's a Calcutta? Cause no one I've talked to knows what it is. And I didn't know what, what, what it was either. So basically what it is, is you draft uh, this is such a long story. This is turning into a way longer story than I wanted it to. <laughs> Basically, you are betting 
for the first pick. Mm-hmm. So you're betting up, up, up. Okay, I win. So I get first pick as to which team I want to take for my cup champion. So Boston goes. And then the next teams are going pick like uh, betting and you just kind of go down the road uh, ultimately until you, you know, all of the 16 options are taken. So winner gets like basically all the money. Second place gets their original bid back. And then no, second place gets, it's tiered, I guess. I don't know. But third place gets your money back. And the way that third place is figured out is based on like which series goes further. And if they both go six games, it's whichever team scored more goals, whatever. So our group, we got Vegas like seventh Mm -hmm. in the Calcutta draft. So I'm, I'm pretty damn close to making some money back on this or or making an even better payday. So even when I lose, I'm winning lose to the cup champs. And then I win money, uh, Vegas in six. Oh, in six. Hey, you think they're, Vegas you, in six. You, you think, you think they're going to, they're going to, they're going to pull one over my stars. They've got some sneaky swag now with Aiden Hill playing or Auden yeah. or whatever his name is. Yeah, they kind of do. And I mean, they could very well go back to Laurent Brassois and still yeah, be dude. sick. Yeah. I don't know. This Vegas team has found. They're so deep. In a bottle. They're so and deep. man, Two players that I have talked so much shit about have made me look like a darn fool. Jack Eichel and Ivan Barbashev. Especially Ivan Barbashev, where I'm like, oh, it's a fucking stupid trade. He's been a freak. And Eichel, man, Eichel's been feasting too. Ugh, I hate it. Um, I mean, we don't want to say it, but he outplayed Connor McDavid. You know what? We would be remiss to have a hockey podcast and not even talk about the fact that they circumvent the cap like fucking nobody else. And But you know what I'd have to say to that? Is if you're not cheating, you're not trying, and the Oilers should absolutely be cheating this season. <laughs> so if it, if it means, like, it's what I was saying like last season, man. Like, just keep Evander Kane on LTIR and spend that extra five million bucks and find something. Yeah, because what did know. he really do the last half of the season? Yeah, exactly. Say his hands fucked and go out and get uh, whomstever. Yes, be like Team oh, I was, oh, I was jerking off too much and I hurt my <laughs> hand. Classic Evander. <laughs> the, the boys in the locker just give a round of applause. Thanks, Evander. <laughs> we were able to get fucking Thomas Tatar. <laughs> Did you see the uh, Mother's Day picture he posted of of Mira? No, I didn't. It's just so Evander to post like a basically a nude of her happy Mother's Day. It's like, oh my god, man! Like, fucking stop. You you remember, you remember the song uh, "Mother Lover" by the Lonely Island? <laughs> we should fuck each other's we mother. mother. Fuck each other's mother. Yeah, I, it's like it, it's like at the end of that song when they go "Happy Mother's Day." <laughs> <laughs> that is that's Evander. That's Evander Kane. <laughs> okay. Well, Miles, should about, we should we, that should about we does it? Eh? Should we finish her off? Yeah, man, it feels weird because um, the last line of our notes is always next week's agenda, and, and next week's agenda is is just emptiness. So God, watch uh, watch the hockey that you want to watch, cheer for the teams you want to cheer for. If you hate my Knights love, it is what it is. Uh, if you hate Nolan Stars love, it is what it is. If you like the Canes. You know, good for you. And if you like the Panthers, then then go ahead. But this has been 
the end of our oiler season uh this is episode 24 of the season three of the one for one podcast we are going into the rest of the playoffs with bags over our heads no more oilers hockey but as always and perhaps even louder go oilers go go oilers go